I mean, saying are we ready is if like this is like something we uh we plan and actually like structure. Yeah, we, we map it out. <laughs> but what you, Phil? What do you, you said? You're smoking that Gurkha. Yes, I am smoking the aged 18 years cellar reserve. Ah, uh, see, those are good. I like the the Maduro, that black label one that I've been smoking. Mm-hmm. Those are. Those are good. What are you smoking? You can't find those airbenders anywhere. Any of that, and any of the LFD stuff, none of the shops around me carries. So all those wrecks you were giving me are tough to find. Mm. I can see that. Are you playing with the colors, or am I having a seizure? What? Say what? Are you playing with the colors, or am I like having? I a am. Break? I am playing with the colors. Oh Jesus! I apologize. <laughs> Sorry. I started seeing like the names um, change. I was like, "Whoa, whoa!" I didn't smoke anything yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So this is yeah, episode forty-six. This is episode forty-six. Forty-six. You want to introduce and, our guest? Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, like you're smoking the Gurkha. You said you have a Charter Oak. Is that that what I saw? Brought out a Charter Oak. I actually have really been liking these new worlds. Yeah. Yeah, I like them a lot, actually. And then I have a Cohiba Blue Label that I started and thought I could smoke quickly so I could actually start smoking what I intended to smoke this episode, which I probably will. I'm going to power through this, and then I'll light up this this Sin Compromiso from Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. Um, nice. This is episode 46, but Phil, we got a sponsor now, buddy. Mm. We do. We have a fantastic sponsor. We would like to and if you, personally... What? If you look down in this corner of your screen... The my lower doesn't go all the way there. Screen. Pudget Sound Pythons. That's pretty cool. Mr. Mr. Jeff Opst. Opst. Kendra. Kendra West. The power, the power couple of her pedigree. Mm-hmm. The liaison couple of the West. I'm posting. It's going to post all four places. Awesome. Well, there's a link to their page. So follow them. They're very good people. They actually started. Uh, they have a YouTube channel. They've had a YouTube channel, but they've been cranking out videos pretty regularly lately. So some really cool stuff on there. Uh, they had an episode recently with the Herpeticulture magazine shirt. Which I thought was pretty cool. Um, so, you're already on YouTube. At least most of you are. So, go check it out. Follow them. Subscribe yeah. to them on YouTube. They got, I mean, like, they do, they're, they're breeding ball pythons, which is cool. But they also have, like, Dunn's pythons and Doomerals and... Um, the Alberts. Yeah. Green anacondas, which I thought was pretty sweet. Because yeah. not everyone has yeah. those. Just good people with good animals, just awesome possum. Yes. And we thank them. We commend them for their sponsorship. What are you drinking? What is that? What? What are you drinking? Oh, it's an energy coffee in a can. It's horrible. Oh. It's horrible. Yeah. 
Why don't you just drink bangs and give yourself testicular cancer like me? Dude, those are brutal. Uh, Matt, what are you drinking? I'm drinking buds. He's drinking he's a bug beer. guy, man. Oh, look he's at that. Guy. Yes, sir. Red Blood American. That's it. That's it. Mm. The Canucks have joined us. Uh, ooh, welcome. My second frosty white And then, you know, whatever that, that slight against God that they call bacon is. Look, man. Danny bacon is awfully yummy, but it's not bacon. It is awfully yummy. That's true. It's it's right. it's ham, bro. It's ham. Hockey, beer, nothing more, nothing syrup. more. Dude, I, I mean, those are everything but their bacon is solid. I'm a huge fan of the great country of Canada, the great white north. I'm a huge fan of their people. I just get a little perturbed when all of a sudden, come January in South Florida, I see a lot of Quebec plates, and it makes my drive to work very uneasy. Arizona's <laughs> got it, too. But I commend them for everything they do. I mean, shit, they gave us Trailer Park Boys. They're just the Ohioans yeah. of North America. And uh, and Letterkenny, if you guys watch Letterkenny. Oh, yeah, and Letterkenny, of course. Letterkenny. I'm all about the bird of beef. Oh, I have yeah. not watched that. Everyone keeps talking about it. I have not seen it. Oh, you've got to. It, that, that is, that's just good humor. I refuse to get sucked into shows. You can ask Katie, just because I don't have time. And I know if I get sucked into a show, then time that I should be spending on other stuff is going to get put into making sure I binge watch that entire series. You know what the best part so, about that show is, though? It's, it's kind slow. of uh, it's got a South Park thing where every episode that you put on is uh, it's different. Like it doesn't. Yeah, it's not like time. linear. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I got you. It's good. Uh, but this good is Matt's first time on Snakes and Stones. Thank you. Thank and you. I'm pumped because, I mean, he keeps all the cool stuff that I like to keep. So he's got Condros first and foremost. He's got Boyga second and second most. He's got carpets. He's got some Asian rats. Like, he's got venomous. Like, fun stuff. What, what, like, the, the, the total package. One might say extremely well rounded. Well, oh, I don't have knobtails. That's all right. You got snakes. You're good. <laughs> I got I got tokes. They're not knobtails, but You're I got gecko in the house. You got you got real geckos. That's right. Real geckos. I love it. Do they keep you yeah, up tonight? I'm happy to be here. We're glad to have you. Yeah, thank you. Oh, and Hen Dog's here now too. Hen Dog, and another Boyka guy. Ashley Howdy loves Leonard Kenny. She knows what's up. That's one of the Wait. best shows of our our generation right now. What is she doing here? She's supposed to be on the GTP Keeper Radio episode. I don't know if that get if that's live tonight. It should be live like right now. Interesting. Maybe she's multitasking. Maybe. Mm. Maybe Hubby's doing the talking and she's doing the swiping. Swiping on the snake boys. What? <laughs> <laughs> so, first impressions of this 18-year-aged Gurkha is uh, it's very bold. Very, very bold. But it has been a bastard to try and light. 
it just like it's does not staying not, lit. Like it's not staying lit. Like I get like two or three drags out of it, and it just stops. Is so I'm gonna give it a minute. Um, no, no, it's good. It's very good. I'm I'm rolling it in my hand right now. It's it got real hot in the mid third, so I'm gonna let it chill out for a minute, and I'll try and let it re re jump itself and see what happens. How was uh, how was clean, cleaning up that case? Is that a pain in the ass or what? Which case? You had a, case had a plume breakout, right? Oh, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, God, yeah. I forgot about that. Paint us a picture. So I, so I got away from wooden humidors because, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's because of the air conditioner in my home or whatever, but the wooden humidors, they just they don't hold their humidity for me at all. Like any kind, I've tried different brands. I've tried expensive ones. I've tried cheap ones. I've tried different types. I did like I'm a huge advocate. Can you guys hear my neighbor talking or no? A little bit. It's fine. Okay, uh, I'm a huge good. advocate. Okay, I'm a huge advocate for Bovida packs, and I use them in everything. I love Bovida, the phenomenal company with a phenomenal product. For those of you who don't know, they make all kinds of uh, humidific humidification. No, hum humidification. Humidification yep. and dehumidification products uh, for both food, tobacco, and cannabis, if you so feel so inclined. Um, and they have different brands, different lines of that stuff. So I've used all these different things, and the wooden friggin' humidor will not hold moisture. Um, so I switched to Pelican cases because in my line of work, I get a lot of Pelican cases from time to time. Uh, I'm a dealer for them. There you go. Justin's showing off when I gave him. And uh, they're phenomenal because they're a legit gasket seal. And each Pelican case has a pressure valve on the side of it. And the intention is that if it was to be pressurized, whether it be underwater or in an airplane, when you go to open it, look at fucking Vanna White over here. I love it. Love um, it. Right? Oh. Look at, there you go. There's a bubble pack right now. What's that? Is it 72? 69. Beautiful. That's the pack. So that pack actually has a proprietary chemical inside it that keeps moisture at a particular percentage. And then if there's an overabundance of moisture, it actually sucks out the excess and crystallizes into like an actual, uh, uh, yes, hen dog, I will get you a pelican, I promise. Uh, crystallizes. I want a pelican into, case uh, for all the gear. Yeah, right. Um, so anyway, so I, I've switched to pelican cases. And, oh, and the pressure valve, excuse me. So I have this pressure valve. So if you get off an airplane, and you know you've ever flown with something that's pressurized it's a bitch to open the pressure valve makes it so you can actually open the case easily um i found that that regulates humidity so well that all of my pelicans maintain a perfect 72 to 74 percent humidity and I'm yeah gonna with anything anything with a really good seal on i tell people that all the time um like humidor wise it doesn't have to be a cedar humidor, like right. unless you're aging stuff. You know, if you're aging wine, you don't have to have a wine cellar. Mm -hmm. um, but like, if you're smoking regularly, a travel case like this, a Tupperware, anything with a good seal that's going to keep that humidity in, can work. You know, I have that acrylic humidor, um, and like that's not going to be very good for aging, because uh, that that cedar just it helps with that whole process. So. <clears throat> you ideally you don't want to use normal cedar. I mean, normal cedar or like American cedar will work, 
but ideally the best cedar is red Spanish cedar. Um, it's actually very hard to find in its own, you know, in like wooden planks or boards or whatever. But if you're shopping for wooden humidor, the best wooden humidors are going to be red Spanish cedar. Um, Dominique says that she needs to start paying attention to, to what we talk about at the beginning of the show because she got invited to a cigar tasting and she needs to fit it in with her coworkers. Rock and roll, Dominique. We love you. Um, but back to my horrible mold outbreak. Uh, for those of you who don't know what plume is, uh, plume is a form of fungus or mold that grows on dried tobacco. Um, when it, tobacco is too dark and too moist, just like anything else that grows in dark, moist places, fungus appears. Uh, some connoisseurs uh, believe that it enhances the flavor and they'll just straight smoke the mold. Me personally, I'm a fan of it. You straight smoke the mold, Justin? It doesn't taste like anything. I usually I'll just brush it off. I'm interested in that, though, because I don't know if I would. I think I'd be with Phil. I, I don't know. I think it just, like, something in my head would not let me. Well, yeah, like, see, now I know I've, I've found... Well, as I said, I know I breathe spores in every single time I go outside, but I'm not doing it on purpose. It's part of the air. You know what I mean? Right. And I like eating mushrooms, but something about, like, smoking mold or fungus. Yeah. And, like, here's the thing, too. And I don't want people to think that, like, it looks like... Uh, uh, you know, the white fuzzy mold that grows on aspen bedding that gets too moist. I'm not talking about that. And like, there's not mushrooms growing in my humidor. It's basically uh, a almost baby powder appearance. Very similar to like talcum powder or like chalk powder. And if you rub it with your finger, it, it, it basically just smears almost like ash. Okay, so Justin's pulling some pictures up so people can see. Um, and a lot of times I'll get some plume and I'll literally do what Justin said and I'll just wipe it off my finger. But I have one small humidor that I keep my Cohiba Maduro number fives that were brought to me by a very good friend from Cuba. And they all got white fuzz all over them. See, now if they look like this, I ain't yeah, smoking that. that. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah, that's more so what I had, I had pictured. Like that if wouldn't something. Yeah, if it's something like that, that, that's yeah. brush it off. It's fine, but yeah, when it so starts that. straight up looking green or like that, throw it out. When it gets fuzzy, yeah, that's bad. That's bad news bears. The That like so that photo right there. That's basically what I encountered last night when I checked the humidor. Because I mean, let's face it, I don't smoke them that often or really ever because they're 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 valuable to me, and I like to save them for special occasions. So I I try to crack the humidor open at least once a month just to let it get some fresh recirculated air. Um, and they were just covered in white stuff. So I sat there with a damp paper towel and I wiped them all off last night. And now I got to remember to open it more. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know. Cause I've, Like what I've seen, like what this picture up here shows of this, like I always just assume that was just like the uh, like the the pectin that they used to keep the cap on the top that was on somebody's hands when they were rolling it. I always assume that that was just that because it has that sort of shininess to it, like pectin wood. Mm, yeah, maybe, maybe. I always so, assume I don't that know. Three stages of plume. You know, 
Dan says, wipe it off. You know, I, I literally heard his voice say, wipe it off, be a man, in my mind. Um, and, I, dude, I've done that tons of times, but to see an entire box of Maduro number fives covered in plume, I was, like, on the verge of tears. I was like, no fucking way. Like, I would rather have that than Tobacco Beetles. That's true. Yeah, Tobacco Beetles are no bueno. Because then right. those are, like, definitely no not smokable. Yeah. I have never well, been you've never seen tobacco weevils or tobacco beetles? No. Dude. Oh, yeah. I mean, I imagine they're like any kind of like little grass or hemp weevil or something, but weird. Yeah, they're, they, they're, they eat little tunnels into your cigars, and so you'll pick it up and it'll look like termites have been through it. Like weird. perfect little round holes. And like it's weird because. The eggs only hatch in like a certain temperature range above, I think, like upper, like mid, like lower 80s. I think they hatch, and that's when they're a problem. So, I mean, they're actually pretty common, but because most cigars aren't kept at that temperature, you know, they don't hatch. So, but when they do, man, you get to like, you see boxes. Let me see. I, got, I know there's a picture of them. Boxes yeah, sure. that are just like cigars that are just Swiss cheese. And that's I've, crazy. <clears throat> what were you going to say, Matt? No, you go ahead. No, I was going to say is I've never had them in my personal collection, but I've had like my employer had them pretty bad. One of my coworkers had them pretty bad. <clears throat> and they both found that it was the appropriate amount of humidity for the cigars in the humidor, but the temperature, the ambient temperature was chill. So it was like, you know, low 60s in the room or mid 60s in the room, but the humidor was still at like 72, 74%. Higher, yeah, crazy. They actually look like they look like more of a beetle than a weevil. And what's yeah. funny is the ones that I've seen were actual weevils and had like the long weevil neck. Weird, weird. But they drill these so perfect little holes in them. Yep, that's it. So that's probably something that you probably encounter a lot more working in shops or being around like stuff being imported or shipped in more often. Yeah. Than no, believe it or not, I have I have only come across one box that had any signs of there weren't any live ones in there, but there were signs of them that they had been there because there was a couple cigars that had been chewed up. Um, sure. But other than that, no, I, I mean, I really have it. And I check pretty regularly. Uh you know, when I open a new box, I definitely, as I'm tagging, like, price and everything, I go through and kind of look around and make sure. But, I mean, I've only found one box of cigars that had them, so. I'm, I'm finding myself thinking about them, like, how snake mites come in and, like, enter people's homes and stuff like that, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely one of those things where if you have, like, a humidor, especially like we have at the shop, like, get that box out stat because those things will run rampant. And what's funny is I had one coworker that like, all right, for example, when my employer had a good batch of them in his one small humidor he kept at the office, um, my one coworker was like, oh, I'll smoke them. I don't care. He says, just wait for the, for the, for you get the hot center and they start popping. That's when you know oh. it's good. And I'm like, that's so gross. That's so gross. So gross. But he, he did it. Hey He's man, zone. I couldn't do that. No way. Yeah, I'm not doing that. I'd do it depending on the cigar. <laughs> Dominique says we need to start quarantining our cigars. <laughs> <laughs> the the hallway closet. Mm -hmm. Is that a is that a chicken behind you? You've got birds and stuff. Oh, yeah. You got turkeys, right? I got chickens and turkeys. Yeah. <laughs> 
I completely forgot about the turkeys. I was like, I forget that he's always posted videos of his of his his toms. Right. Oh my gosh. You Look and Luke Myers that. would be best friends because he just got into some some chickens recently and they're his babies. Dude, I love them. They're great. And they love us. They're they're actually really good animals. The turkeys are a little bit much though. The turkeys like shit on everything and eat everything and then peck at all the chickens. But the chickens are cool. If I'm being honest, the reason that I have these is because we have the space and I have a lot of poiga. Hate to say it, but so I'm not breeding breeding chickens. Yep. Yeah, Dan That's says why it. I got I got this gecko group behind me. Yeah, yeah, right. I saw you see that or I saw that you started that. And yes, as Phil was saying, Dan says carpet food. Yeah, carpet food. Yeah, all the carpets, the chondros, the boyega, even the rat snakes, um, even the indigo, they all eat chicks. Yeah. I still want to find chicken hearts, man. Like, I'm so annoyed that I can't find them anywhere here in town. I need to go back and see if that little Asian supermarket is still... Your Walmart like, when I went... No, dude, I checked everywhere. Like, we have Piggly Wiggly. I think we're, like, one of the last freaking counties in the United States to have a freaking Piggly Wiggly. And I was like, for sure they're going to have it, just given all the other weird stuff they carry, and they didn't. And then, like, I checked right. Publix, I checked Food Lion... Try this is a weird one, but try bait and tackle shops because I used to do a lot of catfishing growing up oh, out I here. Think about we have lakes and bait and uh, tackle shops will often sell buckets of chicken hearts for catfish bait. Well, my mom works at one, so Dude, why I didn't think about <laughs> that, but because I'm wanting to like offer some hearts or something as like an like if I'm you know because I'm breeding my own mice so. Which it shouldn't happen, but in the off chance that I'm having to wait a little while while some stuff gets a little more size to it, like I want a nice alternative to side of, you know, yeah, throw in there and add to it. And you know, Billy was talking about chicken hearts, and he did like some necks, I think, too, or something like that. You know, he's, uh, you know, Billy's Billy turned me on to a lot of that stuff, and I now, of course, I want to do it, and I can't find any of it. So you can also, um, they're about the exact same size as a chicken heart. And as brutal as it is, like after you've snipped them, you can pretty much skin them really quick. Uh, just clip the beak off a chicken head and clip or a chicken, clip the head off of it and then clip the beak and then yank the dressing off of it real quick. And you got pretty much like a chicken brain or a, what smells like a chicken heart and about the same size in the meantime. Yeah. But yeah, that that's really yeah. good for like, I see a lot of imported like nigriceps or since mm -hmm. we were on the roof thing earlier, a lot of. A lot of imported rear fang stuff that once birds will take hearts before they take anything else. Well, I'm hoping that like the Alterna, I can just take some some frozen thawed pinkies, uh, send them, you know, when these cyania hatch, offer those up. Um, or actually, I also have all my, my original idea was the Vitatus froglets that I have. Like I've got a ton of Phyllobates Vitatus froglets that, like I sell wholesale because I get so many of them, but now I'm like something for Boyga, like off the bat, some frogs that are clean and kept. You yeah, know, they're they're not captive dark frogs. They're not toxic to them. Yep, that's cool. Justin, you don't have Publix by you? Yeah, I got one right down the road from me. And they don't stock chicken hearts. No. That's crazy. Dude, I was Maybe. like, I'm in the South. Like, there's no way there's not a grocery store that just carries chicken hearts, no yeah. problem. 
Because Billy was getting them at like a Walmart. Yeah, they had gizzards. I don't know. It's so strange. You'd think the South would be of all places somewhere to find them. Yeah. Like Billy does like chicken hearts and frog legs. Um, I want to say he had some feet, if I recall, um, which I'm not really down for feet. Um, I just feel like there's no real sustenance. Yeah, there's not a whole lot there. It's just like bone skin. Yeah. Which, I mean, if you got a female that you want to give like a calcium boost, that may not be a bad idea, but. But at the same time, bird bones are hollow. I feel like they would have less calcium than like a mammal, you know? If I could pull up a picture for you guys, I'd say this too. I mean, I fed, I feed chicks to my carpet pythons and everything else. And like often, not often, but frequently enough, they'll poop and there'll be a chicken foot in the poop or something like they're not completely digestible in the sense that the rest of the, the prey mm-hmm. item is. So I think the legs like, sure. Like if you were, you know, if you had something you had to feed the way you feed a rat tail or something to keep it alive, yeah, then it would work. But yeah, I can't see that being too sustainable. It just seems like mm-hmm. they don't kind of pass them anyways. Yeah. So if you are, Billy does if you, frog legs. Matt, are you on a computer or in your phone? I'm on my phone. Why is it echoing? No, no, no. I was going to say is if you're on a computer, if you look at the bottom of the screen, there's a thing that says screen share and you oh, can pull yeah. the window and click it and then Justin can throw it up on the screen for us. So, you know, for, for next time. Yeah, yeah. For next time I will. I, I thought yeah. about getting on the computer too, but I wasn't sure. <clears throat> Which I actually tried frog legs myself for the first time at Daytona when I was at, at Melrose at P and Cody's. Oh, you Not ate them bad. yourself? Yeah, I'd never had them before. I'd never been brave enough. Um, They're actually it's it wasn't bad. It's chickeny. Very fishy and chickeny. It's best when you gig them yourself, you skin them yourself, and you throw them in the Dutch oven with the the perfect amount of oil and the breadcrumbs and the seasonings and just that's some good old southern or you go down to your local restaurant that has them and just order them. That's true. That's true. The 2020 approach. The 2019 approach. I had a friend in high school that... uh, Oh, Wyman said he's got me. There you go. Man. So I had a friend in high school that would go to this one Chinese buffet (laughs) with all the friends. And uh, they kicked him out because he would just go there and all he would eat is frog legs and he like cleaned them out one night and they're like... Every time you come here, all you eat is frog legs. You can't come here anymore. Eat some other food. Yeah. <laughs> He's buying them out. Literally. That's probably good. Yeah, I mean, you probably shouldn't bad. survive the frog legs. Well, I mean, I'll tell you, I was never a big frog. I mean, I had frog legs in the past. I had them a couple different kinds of ways. You know, I'd have them at the Chinese buffet, or I had some good old boys that, you know, would throw them on some tinfoil on the grill or whatever. And, um, I tell you, I I never really fell in love with them the way that I did when I started going hunting with my two snake buddies. And we would go for small game season. And I'm actually trying to find pictures of it right now. We go for small game season and we'd wake up early. We'd shoot some rabbits in the morning. Then we'd shoot some, we'd come back, skin the rabbits, have like a late lunch that we brought. And then we'd go out in the afternoon, hit some squirrels, gray squirrel. And then in the evening, hit some more rabbits, 
And then one guy would go back and field dress the rabbits. And then we'd rendezvous back at the canal and we'd go gigging for leopard frogs. Jesus, and then, is this Lord of the Flies? And then that night we had a smorgasbord of small game and it was friggin' amazing. That sounds delicious, actually. Cornico- I cannot, man. I'm not a I'm not into squirrel. I tried no? squirrel, not a fan. You gotta deep you gotta like almost deep fry it like nuggets. And it's the best. Yeah, that's how I had it. It was just too greasy. Yeah, we were doing not uh, <clears throat> why was it greasy, man? I my squirreling I don't know. I don't I wasn't I wasn't into it. <clears throat> Trying that's to fair. people that want like duck and stuff for some reason. I think duck yeah. is delicious. Yeah, duck is delicious, but I, I do understand how duck is a lot oil, a lot more oily than most other game birds. Yeah. But squirrel? I don't know. Where is this picture? I had some great Maybe it was just a bad squirrel. Maybe it was What's like that? a leper squirrel or something. Well, you find that picture, I'm going to try to reposition closer to the light. It's getting All right. I'll, uh... How did we go from talking about feeding frog legs and stuff to our snakes to us talking about eating every... <laughs> Every woodland creature that Phil comes across. <laughs> so, first picture is be ready. Hey, Marcus is here. Look at that. Hey, what's going on? I actually, uh, I feel bad. I just silenced their uh, their FaceTime. They tried to FaceTime me. <laughs> And now they're showing me pictures of us on their TV. Nice. It's fantastic. I love them both. Look at this. Look. They say, uh, they say, look, we're famous. (laughs) That, that makes my head bigger than in real life. Look at that. It's crazy. You guys are famous. Nah, only with a select group of individuals that are deranged yeah. enough to listen to us. Five there, people there, that there's care. There's very few podcasts that are uh, not to make your head any bigger, but in my opinion, on the coattails of NPR and some of the other better podcasts out there. Oh, well, we appreciate that sincerely. I appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you. I'm going to tell the pod father himself that. Ooh, I think and you're the pod. only one who has actual cell phone number. That's one of my goals. My goal is to one day have Burke's phone number. I think That'll I just make me feel, this made me feel special inside. So what you people I, are looking at, this picture right here is a perfect example of why I go small game hunting. Because I get to see this view day in and day out when I'm in the field. We're looking for snakes. We're looking for, you know, all types of reptiles and amphibians, shooting some small mammals, eating like kings and just enjoying the wilderness and Dutch oven is a must. Um, But the picture I really want to show is this one. Great. Now I lost it. Fantastic. Oh, here it is. Okay. (laughs) Gosh, you said more like the coattails of GTP keeper radio. (laughs) <laughs> Nothing against GTP Keeper Radio because they're awesome, but they only do episodes like quarterly, if that. So what baby at? turtles? No, no, they're not baby turtle, you sick bastard. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
Those are <laughs> those are Snipe. And the professor uh, from Harry Potter? No, no, that was Snape. This is Snipe. And <laughs> uh, this picture is wonderful because we used the same oil that we cooked the frog legs in for the Snipe. And we put a little bacon grease in there and we took some Everglades seasoning. And for those of you who are not from the South, you need to get up on that Everglades seasoning because I don't that even is know what, what Everglades makes seasoning ends. Go around. Everglades is seasoning like is. What's that, Matt? Is it, like, is it like the everything seasoning? Pretty much. I don't know if you guys have it over there, but yeah, we yeah, have it. It's, it's made yeah. with bath salts and meth because it's Florida. <laughs> Correct cocaine. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Dallas knows what's up. Thomas knows what's up, too. So this is Snipe. But what makes me happy about this is because now me and my two other friends, Travis and Chris, we can definitively say that we are actual snipers because we have shot Snipe and we've eaten it. Tom said, Mike, if you find yourself in Cincinnati, you're more than welcome to hunt the small game in my apartment basement. They're rats, but I consider that city. I consider that city small game. Depending on what city you're in, that might be bigger than, <laughs> than you're looking for. All right, now I'm gonna Google it because what? For Everglades seasoning. Oh, it's phenomenal. Is it like a brand? Oh, okay. I thought it was like some weird Florida shit where they're like, yeah, you know, we just take the the fuzz from the the cattail <laughs> reeds and some old bay. <laughs> No, it's not like that at all. I swear. <laughs> I see now. It's a legitimate thing. It's, like a brand. it's basically just sodium. Just lots of sodium. Take some bath salts and some alligator urine and you mix it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Well, hey, is it, getting, do you guys want me to yank out one of these snakes while you guys pick something to talk about? Yeah, what you got? Yeah, I was about to ask you about Sarastis anyway. So, Dallas, oh, if they sell it at Publix, I have a Publix. I saw it showed up when I Googled it. It said Everglades Seasoning Publix. So I'm assuming that they carry it. Um, so, for those of you who don't know, Matt keeps Crotalus Sarastis. The Sidewinder. The Sidewinder, not the Sidewinder. Not, not the real horned one. Not that devil snake. Not, not the Ronnie devil. James Dio. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here, let me grab you guys. Uh, so what's cool is the... Do you, just, mind, do you mind speaking about the subspecies too, just so that you know people know? Because like I said, I didn't know until recently. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, I'd love to. Um, so, so there's the Cerastes Cerastes, which everyone knows, which is your your horned viper, your Saharan horned viper. Um, and then there's we're in Arizona where we live. We have, I believe it's I think the one that everyone kind of goes off of the number is 13 species. I believe there's 15 recognized species and arguably 17 species of rattlesnake in the state of Arizona. Two of those are. They're all crotalus other than the Cisturus. Um, we have the Mossasaga. But as far as the crotes go, we have two sidewinders. And most people don't know that because 
they relatively get the same size, but super far apart from each other. Um, one is really southern. They come from Yuma, Arizona. They're like three feet long or so. And then the ones that I keep are, those are Crotalus cerastes cerastes. And then the ones that I keep are Crotalus cerastes circobombus, which are smaller actually and more widespread throughout the state. So they're the ones that if you ever come to Arizona and you drive out to the lakes or you decide to go field herping or something, they're pretty common to find like sitting in the middle of the road. So more often than not, you stop to move them off the road if you care. And that's how you find them. But they're, uh, they're kind of arguably like a pygmy rattlesnake. Yeah, those little guys. They, uh, they get just bigger than a true pygmy. So they're not classified as one. But they, they get about two feet. And I love them so much because most crotalis are the males get larger than the females. You guys mm-hmm. know that. These ones are like one of few that the females actually get bigger than the, the males. So the males don't get very large at all. They get about a foot. And then the females will get about a foot and a half. Sometimes they'll push two feet. So they're actually pretty cool. And I got dude. what's cool. Is they just had some babies. So I'm going to actually pull a baby out. And I threw this little gardening welding glove on because they're small enough to where I can just pull one out for you. These are like the U.S. Caudalis or Cornuda. Yeah, they really are. That's hey, uh, okay, shrink that back down because it looks like he's pulling it out. That's what she said. <laughs> I saw that coming. I was like, damn it. I saw that coming. <clears throat> and please, for whoever's actually watching this, please don't try this at home. Matt is yeah, a yeah. professional. He's been doing this for a very long time. And he knows what he can, uh, what kind of limits he can push. Look at that stupid. You, yeah, you you posted a picture of them when they like first came out, and they were like sitting in a bottle cap, like they're so tiny, right? See if I can't just get them in the palm of my hand and give you guys an idea of like just how tiny they are in your hands. That's now, how old are these? These are. Let's see. They were born at the beginning of the month, so they're. Half a year old, or uh, half a year, half a month old. <laughs> wow, man! So, Adorable. I had ten. Uh, mom laid, or shouldn't say laid. She gave birth to uh, because they are ovoviviparous. They're a live birth animal. The mom gave birth to ten babies, and didn't retain anything, which was good. So she had a nice, healthy pregnancy, and all ten came out super healthy. Five of them within the first week had shed out and uh eaten pinky mice for us awesome. and they took pinky heads first we just took frozen little pinky mice and clipped the heads off and that's what we start them on and then once they eat a head once or twice we'll offer them like a whole pinky and they seem to take it and one thing i've noticed if you guys ever want to keep them um because they're finicky eaters i've noticed that they're they almost have a bigger stomach or they have bigger eyes than their stomach. So they're more inclined to actually like take down the larger meal than the smaller meal. So I think a lot of people struggle with feeding them little geckos or mouse tails and stuff, and they don't want to eat. Um, and oftentimes like you offer them a full pinky mouse and they take it because it's big enough for them to actually go after, which is kind of weird. And that might have something to do with, you know, how like, uh, I don't know if either of you guys fish, but I do a lot of bass fishing. And there's a lot of different times in the year and stuff that plays. And when you're looking for big 
trophy bass and stuff. Um, and it's certain times of the year where you got to make them want the meal and make it worth it for them to go after it for them to take it. And I think that the Sarasis are kind of the same, but they're freaking tiny. Like they are born the size. Yeah. Of like it's crazy. Itty, yeah. Itty, itty. And now I noticed that a lot of your adults have the, uh, like Aatrox raccoon tail. Do most of them have that black and white banded tail? Because to be honest, I, I don't recall many, if not any of the ones that I have ever seen in captivity really having it. So there are, um, oh, someone just commented what they're eating yeah. right in the wild. Yeah, in the wild kangaroo mice, um, little roof rats and field mice that we have out here. Or I'll be honest, like the babies probably are going after prey items that are like, little Mediterranean geckos or banded geckos and stuff that we have out here. But uh, uh, yeah, in captivity, they seem to do fine on mice. The banded tail, I've, you're right. There is a, there's kind of a variation in the circobombus and I should have brought out two to really show you. And I can have, I can go run and grab a million if you no, like, no, but they, there's a bit of variation in the litter. So if you guys like pop on the Instagram, I posted a few photos of different uh, litter mates. Mm -hmm. And some are like the one I just showed you is my favorite and a, one that I'm going to hang on to because he's almost patternless. He's pink and yeah. he has no saddles, no white stripe down the back, um, very little speckling. He, he'll probably look really cool. Some of them have like really, really dark saddles and a bright, almost silver stripe down the back. And then some of them are kind of like right there in between. So I think the more raccoon banded ones are just maybe locality variation. Um, the two that I have, the female, that probably is what it is because they're polar opposite sides of the state and the female does not have the banding that the male does. So the male that I post more often has more banding and my other female has banding, but yeah, this one doesn't. Super cool, man. Awesome. Super yeah, it's cool. a lot of fun though. The only thing that kind of, it kind of sucks because our, our bag limit's four. So rather you're breeding them or not, we can have four because they're a native species. So I have a limited amount of time from when they're born to find homes and stuff for them. But the other downside is because they're native, we can't sell them or anything. So you can't really advertise or market them. So you have to no. find one, you have to have a hunting license in order to receive them, keep them, whatever. You have to have a hunting mm -hmm. license 365 days out of the year if you're going to have your rattlesnakes for that time. Um, and then the hunting license is cheap, but you have to have that. And then you have to you know what you're doing. Uh, you have to be safe about it. And of course, like I'm one of those people that if you're going to take one home, I kind of like pop a lid open and hand you one of the little hooks, which you guys have had Brent on these, uh, these get hooked hooks. Oh yeah. Super phenomenal. These are like my favorite. Dude, I can't uh, find mine. Mine disappeared and I'm so annoyed because I have no idea where it went. I, uh, this last shop that I was working in, he came in. That's actually how I met him. And we did a little, kind of co-signed deal with them and got a whole bunch of them in. So I bought a shitload of them at wholesale. Nice. For but awesome. um, yeah, you know, I'll pop the lid off and kind of like hand them the little hook that I use and take this grassies out and go put it away. Like the last step is kind of like, if you can, they're, they're finicky when they're little. So if you can put it back in the cup, close the lid on it, be safe about it and everything else, then you can take it home. And if you have trouble putting it away, then you're going to have trouble feeding it, ma maintaining it and everything else. So then yeah. you're not ready for it. But that's the only downside is it's hard to find homes and you're kind of given a window to relocate them. And it's not good conservationally to take stuff and then just go put a 
litter of it back out wherever you want. And yeah. they came from totally different ranges, so I'd have to kind of flip a coin to see where I dropped them anyways. So that's the downside, but they're cool. They're a lot of fun. Yeah, man. They're, they're awesome yeah. species. Do yours actually sidewind it a lot in captivity or no? Oh, yeah. Yeah, if you take them out, um, I try to do the YouTube stuff, and the, I think the first clip on the videos and, like, the little intro is one of them just cruising across the floor. Yeah, they sidewind a lot, actually. Uh, this is actually a, <laughs> I forgot uh, about that. This is actually a picture of our good friend Mike uh, basically containering this fish within the Fiji bottle, uh, true Phil Wolf style. That's how we do on the uh, herbicide. <laughs> so, Mike, thanks for sharing. What's happening in that photo? <clears throat> so, <laughs> inside joke at Phil's expense. It, okay. it, so, basically, all right, I've been doing venomous for a very long time. Yeah. And when we go out in the field, uh, we usually bring water bottles with us. And specifically, I bring Fiji water bottles, not because I'm this bougie guy who needs to have, you know, decadent water, but because the Fiji water bottles, aside from them being larger, um, the plastic is real, real smooth and it's super dense. So if I find a pygmy or a baby cottonmouth or even a baby Eastern diamondback, I will oftentimes container it within the Fiji bottle. You know, I have little air holes. And that way, right. if I have a backpack, I can throw them in the backpack. I know they're not going to bite through the plastic. At the same right. time, if I'm in the car, I can I have like a, a, a Tupperware container that I could stack like four or five of those Fiji bottles because they're they're square, you know. And uh, and then when I get home, depending on the species, I'll either cut the top off or I'll just unscrew the cap and just leave the bottle in the enclosure. And then the animal just comes out on their own. Well, I had mentioned this to Brent when we had him on the show and uh him and Justin and several other people looked at me like I had five heads. So I can imagine. I love that. That, that imagine. is, you would fit very well in this state because that is how everybody herps out here. You really? go with like cargo pants and like, yeah, pockets with like, the Fiji water bottle is genius because you're right, it's absolutely thicker. But yeah, I mean, you see Powerade bottles, Gatorade bottles, you name it. People will put stuff in everything. The biggest yeah. thing out here is inverts though. Is what? Because all inverts oh yeah um, so like yeah. all the different scorpions we have the the giant desert centipede so like a lot of the herpers you've run into out there flipping rocks for bugs i believe it or believe you run into them looking for specks or claws and or the, i didn't learn about water bottles or any of the you know obscure containers from like i i, I can't take credit for it well let me rephrase that it clicked in my head to use the fijis because of the 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 durability of the bottle and the i mean let's face it the fiji water tastes better because the plastic isn't shitty plastic it's good quality plastic so i figure if it tastes different to a human it's a probably safer maybe it's less porous maybe it's less chemically and if i'm putting the animal in there and it's taking a ride a car ride for a couple hours i'd rather have it be in a better plastic bottle and then at the same time it is denser so i don't have to worry about a pygmy biting through the plastic right Right. Well, I mean, I learned all this from import-export, man, because, I mean, everything from cobalt blue tarantulas to baby cobras to Euromastic. Yeah. There you go. Those Nalgene bottles are legit. Yeah. I mean, that's way, way denser than a Fiji, too. So, um, But, like, we would get these shipments in from, from Southeast Asia and Africa and wherever, South America, and literally I would crack open the container and it would be – Five 
hundred jet black film canisters, and in every single film canister was a cobalt blue tarantula. Yeah, it's like they use what they use. You know, the Africans are notorious for shoving copious amounts of poor defenseless little animals in water bottles. Now, yep. I'm not about that. I don't like shoving, you know, six baby cobras in a water bottle, but they do it. And that's right. how it comes. Yeah, it used to come here. It's much better now. It's much better now. That was 10, 15, 20 years ago. But it just made sense to me. So, like, when I talked about the Fiji bottles on the show, the running joke ran, and Mike was kind enough to uh, try and shove a bass in there. <laughs> that's awesome. Katie finds it hilarious, too. I, I think it's crazy how you guys out in the southwest United States, you guys use large tweezers to catch small rattlesnakes. <laughs> some some people do. And like, dude, I watch these videos of all these guys catching uh, catching clobidae and lepidus and sidewinders and massasaguas, and they literally have you know twenty four inch tweezers that you would use for like feeding a rat to a snake. And they literally just gently grabbing the the small rattlesnake, and then they put it into a container so that they can, you know, let it chill out and take photos, and then stage their photos or field collect or whatever. But I just I, I never thought of doing that. It's, it's crazy. Almost, they're almost used like like a more controllable hemostat, and especially if you buy you know the twenty four inch ones with the rubber tips on them, they're a bit softer. Yeah, you see a lot of people do that. Well, that's like uh. Henry and I were uh, working at, at Underground when they got in like three or four clutches worth of um, coral cobras, uh, Aspidolaps lubricus. And anybody who's ever worked with neonatal or juvenile coral cobras or any Aspidolaps for that matter will tell you that, ah, oh, Scott, welcome to the group, man. I forgot about that. He got a three-foot textilis in a 600 milliliter water bottle. Now that's their... That is talent, and I commend the tip of the hat. Gosh, so, um, so, so Henry and I got all these baby coral cobras, and they do not ride a hook. They're 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 not big enough to tail by any means. They do not ride a hook. You need to have a container within a container. Oftentimes, you know, if it's in a drawer system, you have to slide the container on the drawer because the minute you open the drawer, it's going to flop out on the floor. So Henry and I actually took a uh, 24 inch hemostats and we dipped them in liquid silicone and we would just literally just pick up the baby Cobra, put it in the container. Like there was no, there was no trying to use a hook. It was futile. So <laughs> that's interesting. Though. That's a, that's an interesting approach to that. The silicone. Mm -hmm. Well, cause like, you know, the hemostats, they always have like those little alligator teeth on them. Yeah. And like, I didn't want to scratch them or cut them or, or pinch them, you know? So we literally just took a little container of liquid silicone and just like dipped each tip in it. And I think actually one of them, uh, one of the tweezers we had that were like one of the, you know, Pakistani made tweezers with the color rubber tips on them. We very, very gently peeled the rubber tip off and put it onto a set of hemostats. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. If you buy the cheap ones, you can kind of like peel them off and slide yeah. them back over the sleeve. Yeah. Yeah. I got a pair yeah. of the those little ones, and I was feeding chondras today, and my my one from David Brahms didn't grab the mouse and instead grabbed the end of those hemostats and would not let go. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it was so annoying. Well, yeah, I made that little video last night of the um, uh, drawer puller from your hook. 
You guys there? Yeah. 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 Is Phil there? Phil. We're good. Are we? I can hear you now. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. Can you hear me? You're both lagging out on my hardcore. Damn it. What okay, about we're now? back. We're good. I don't know. Are we? Yeah, I see you guys. You're fine. I mean, you're both fine on my end. Yeah, you guys are good on my Okay, end. yeah, we're back. All right, yeah. That cloud passed. <laughs> um, what were you saying, Matt? I think you were saying something. You were your your drawer puller puller video. Yeah, your drawer puller from Get Help. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So so I'm pulling the drawer open on a cotton mouth and it was it kept going back into the back of the drawer, and I don't want to pull the drawer all the way out because then the drawer's gonna fall on the floor. So like it, it had just enough darkness in the back that the cotton mouth would keep going back there. So like I started to like gently nudge him to come with the with the drawer puller. And dude, he latched onto the shaft of that drawer puller, and there's two perfect scratch like scratch marks into the front of it, and there's just wow. yellow venom everywhere. That's pretty impressive, actually. I'm surprised they didn't break off on it. <sighs> yeah, I actually uh, probably tomorrow because I want to get I want to give him a day to chill out. I'm probably gonna check him tomorrow, make sure he doesn't have any nothing messed up did in his mouth. The, um, did you say did you say copper or cotton? Cotton. Cotton. Is that the new cotton that you got? No, this one is actually uh, one that I got years ago from Marcus. Um, and, uh, dude, this thing's amazing. It's super chill. It rides a hook. I can tail it. It doesn't thrash or do anything crazy. But when he doesn't want to play, like when I was using the drawer puller, dude, he's a nut job. Nut oh, he's job. a moccasin. Yeah, he turns into what he's yeah. kind of supposed to be. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's funny. how's that? Uh, dude, that uh, I have to say that copper that you have, that yellow head, beautiful. That thing is insane. I mean, we never see them like that over here. So that thing is insane. And then that that's a purple mangrove that you have, right? Uh oh, you there? Well. Justin, can you hear me all right? Or is yeah, you, you, you and I are fine. It's Phil. Okay. Just making sure. Jesus. Well, hey, while we wait for him to come back, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go. What do you want to see first? Do you want to talk about Nigriceps or do you want to talk about Sign It Up? Let's go with the Blackheads. Blackheads? Okay. Yeah. Sorry about that. I think it was my internet that was conking out. What was Matt saying? Um, what was I saying? He said he hates you. So you something about copperheads? Oh yeah, that yellow-headed one you have is insane. Oh that yeah, you never see those localities over here. Yeah, that was actually uh, <clears throat> I want to say it was mid Georgia or eastern Georgia locality that was uh, Phil collected by a friend of mine, and then it wound up going to Marcus, and Marcus gave it to me. And uh, I want to use that to, to do a, a hybrid with a cotton, but I um, he had real bad shed problems for the past like three or four years. And I finally got him shedding like perfect 
And it's because I put him in a CB70. Like he was in a vision cage in like a nice enclosure his entire life. And now I shove his button drawer and life is grand. So I think maybe this spring I might try and throw him to something if I got it. I'm supposed to uh, put him with a perp. Yeah, right. You probably eat the perp. The um, well, uh, I wanted to ask you too. You have a purple mangrove, right? I have six. He's got like uh, twenty of them. No, not Dude, yet. That's a bucket list one. Those I want to keep. Trim trigs. Um, those guys. Any of your eyelash. Any of your squamajira. Mangshans. All the cool vipers. Dude, Texas. Dude. The next couple years is where we're headed. So then I'll get to have all that stuff. Awesome. Dude, trim trigs are definitely on my list. Like, yes. legit. And sure. I actually, Nipper sent Justin and I, uh, somebody that he knows just had a litter of Venustus. And, like, dude, that's on my list too, man. I just, it's all Henry's fault. Henry's like Southeast Asia, Southeast Asia. And all of a sudden I fall in love with this stupid arboreal shit. There's nothing wrong with arboreals. <laughs> the arboreal stuff will get you. At least by the way. I'm talking to two guys heavily immersed in arboreal stuff. <laughs> That's all I'd be keeping. Oh, there it is. There it is. Yeah, these are the black Dude, Look at that color, bro. Yeah, and I don't know. Is it the is it the male or the This is actually the female. Let's say one of them is like like red spitter red. Like just ridiculous. This one is more like a like a deep burgundy red. So for those of you who don't or aren't watching this, or you're listening after the fact. Uh, when he said blackheads, he did not pull out blackheaded pythons. He pulled out blackheaded mangrove snakes, which is Boiga uh, nigriceps. Yeah. So these Dude. guys are – they're one of the smaller Boiga. Um, I shouldn't say smaller because there's like a lot of really tiny ones, but these guys are definitely one of the smaller ones you'll find in the hobby. They only get about five and a half, six feet long. But, like, no, you guys nailed it. They are, like, if you see these in person, they're, like, bright spitter red, which is cool. And she's actually the darker, dingier red of the two. The male is the one that's got the color. But what's cool is uh, I've got, as of tomorrow, these guys have an incredibly long, uh, like, gestation or incubation period. And so they take up to 120 days and they're really sensitive. So they, they need to be like 80 to 82 degrees pretty much the entire time. And you have to keep the humidity, uh, 70, 80% the entire time. So they can be really tough. So they're susceptible to drying out and breaking. Wow. Look at that animal. Look at it. Now this was a, farmed animal or what so the female that i showed you guys a second ago was imported and she actually came in you know that gecko that you posted not too long ago that had the, the eye issue yeah, yeah yeah um she actually the female that i showed you came in with a similar thing she had a really severe stuck shed and her eye not to that extent but was like bulging out of her head um she wow. was an import this one actually came directly from dan Maleri over at DM Exotics. Awesome. So this is one of his long-term captives. But yeah, what's cool is uh, tomorrow is day 110 for two eggs on the first clutch that my female laid for me. So she, they lay 
seems like bigger eggs, smaller clutches. So my females can drop in clutches at four, but each egg is about this much of her body. Wow. They're each like four inches, four and a half inches long. Um, but tomorrow is 110. And at about 110 days, if they don't start pipping, you cut them. So tomorrow will be the day that I'm either cutting eggs on these specific snakes or seeing some pips on two of the four. Her first clutch, unfortunately, two of them went bad pretty quick. Actually, one went bad right away. Um, another one, like I said, they're sensitive. So one got a, found a weak spot in the, in the shell. And then during the expansion, it kind of exploded out the side. Ooh. So I lost that clutch, which sucks. But she actually, about a week ago, laid, actually tomorrow is exactly a week ago, she laid four more that all look perfect. So I've got six incubating right now. And then I've got the Cynodon that are locking up, um, which I'll go grab next while we talk more about these things since I brought them all out for you guys. Awesome. And, dude, it's amazing, like, how relaxed those animals are. Yeah, it's funny. Like, uh, if I can – there's one piece of advice. Justin can probably back me up on this with Boyega. If you – they're kind of like chondros. They don't have the defensiveness of a chondro, but they have the shyness of one. Um, green tree pythons, for those who don't know chondros. And they, if you handle them, if you take your time, if you bring them out slowly, if you pick them up you know, respectfully and you don't yank them off of whatever they're hanging out on, and you just kind of let them come out and be the branch, they're like some of the best snakes ever. But if you sit there and you, know, you do this or- They are very ready to take off. Yeah. yeah, they're ready to yeah. they're ready to fight back. But the cool thing about them too is that they're they're really slow. So as badass <laughs> of a snake they are, and how cool they stack up and will gape their mouth at you and show those fangs, if you will. Um, they they're not prone to like actually biting. Most of the time when they do strike, they miss because they're really inaccurate and they strike really really slow. So they're if you want to work with them, if you respect them and you take your time and you just you don't have the reflexes of the most stone person on the planet, then you should be okay. <laughs> I need you to have a serious talk with my Cynodon because she does not share your sim your uh, share your opinion at all. Really? Is she she's feisty? Uh, death rolls like a son of a gun. Uh, no. Will not ride, will not ride a hook. So like I'll hook her out. Try and tail her. The minute my hand touches her tail, she wants to death roll. And now I have a limp noodle twisting and rolling in my hand. And I have to, you know, I have to work my hand with it to, so that I don't break her back. And then eventually when she realizes that she can't limp noodle herself away, that's when she cocks back and strikes at my face and puffs out her neck. And I realize, why do I have this thing? This, these are They're awesome. Oh yeah, look at that. This this is literally like these are my side on. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, look at they're that. the dumbest, derpiest things ever. Yeah, you need to tell this to mine because I could not do that with mine. Yeah, my cyania aren't like that at all. Now that's see all right. species, Cyania so, and Cynodon, two different species. So that's let, let me know if I ever uh which I plan to, but when I hatch some of these out or if I hatch some of these out. Let me know if she's too much for it and you want to start fresh. <laughs> I'll take yeah, you up cause, on the option. Because <laughs> I'll tell you, man, like, so that's one animal, right? Yeah. Yeah, this is just one here. Let me stretch right. him out. How long is that animal? 
He's about 11 feet, nine, nine to 11 feet, but he's probably closer on like the 10 and a half to 11. People would yeah. argue nine, like his tail's always wrapped up. But yeah, he's a, if I can get him to space out a bit. That's crazy. Yeah. And they're the See, biggest. I, want some of those. I, just, I don't know where I'm going to put it. They're, they're the largest Bouyga, right? Yes, sir. So. Yeah. And, you know, Hendog says what happened. She was such a, a sweet baby doll. Uh, I think, honestly, it was just that she was fresh imported when Henry and I worked with her. And now she knows the ropes. And now she knows that I'm the guy that brings her her chicks. And I'm the guy who's going to yoink her out of the cage and clean her poo. And, yeah, she's not having it. <laughs> they've, they've settled. Yeah. yeah. At, first, at first it was timid and afraid and okay this human's touching me i'm gonna let it do it it's not eating me now it's like okay don't touch me look at that animal. look at the banding on the tail yeah and you know it's funny because i never thought they really they really kept much of their baby pattern but then if you look at it like they totally do it just changes color Oh, totally yeah it just changes color What's cool yeah, is awesome. uh, I the time like the I think the snake they remind me the most of pattern wise is a bushmaster. Oh yeah, very similar. Very similar. Which is like I mean, who doesn't want a something that looks like a bushmaster that's not going to just like absolutely end your life in a second? Grab it. All right. I don't know. I mean, even then though, I I'm not. I don't want to be taking a hit off off of any boy of that size. That's for sure. Yeah. Oh no, you've seen the mouth on these things. The teeth are like the size of most of your big, like the teeth are the size of a freaking Easter. Yeah. That's why it's called a dog tooth cat snake. That's it. <laughs> yeah. And again, like we, we make, I was saying, we make jokes earlier. We make jokes earlier about you, you know, with using the welding glove with the baby Sarastis, but there's a lot of people, I, I got to tell you, don't do what he's doing with a Cynodon or any Boyga that you just got. Get oh, it established, yeah, yeah. learn the animal, make sure the animal's cool. Because if I did what he's doing right now with my animal, I would I would get bit in the face. It would be very bad. So just blanket disclaimer. Don't forget that rear fangs still are venomous. Look at those eyes. Look at that thing. Gorgeous. Yeah, and that's wild that it's so well behaved and it's dark out too, because usually they're yeah. like night and day difference on literally. Like during the day, they're they're mine are pretty they're still pretty ornery, but at night, like if I'm in the room and they're out and about and I like come near the glass, boy, they're, they're, they're ready to go. Who's actually, he's probably the feistiest out of the three, but it's, it's funny. Cause like once they hit, how big is yours, Phil? Uh, probably almost to almost prior on six, maybe. Give him, give him two, two and a half more feet. And then watch how the temperament changes. Okay. It's, it's kind of like that monitor lizard thing. I don't know if either of you guys have worked with monitor lizards, but they yeah. hit a juvenile stage and they're real defensive or they're real, they break a lot of trust. Sure. And then they, they hit that size where they're not as afraid of things anymore. And yeah. then they really kind of become like just not threatening. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think that's that's how it is with a lot of species that get kind of bigger like that, like the yellow rats we have here that are just monsters. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty rare that one tries to take a swing at me, and I think it's because they're literally so big. They're like they realize over time that nothing's really going to mess with them. So they're. I don't know if you have them, uh, Justin. I know you have them, Phil. Look at Eastern Indigos. 
Yep. That's yep. the biggest North American snake, arguably, weight-wise, arguably, with like an eastern diamondback. But that is the largest snake that we have in the States. And they're like one of the calmest snakes you'll ever encounter. Oh, yeah. Even even the Texans, too, man. Like anybody I talk to that field collects or not field collects, excuse me, but like interacts with Texas indigos in the wild or even some of the Mexican stuff that crosses the border. Like even those animals, look at that animal stretched out. That's so cool. But even yeah, those, those Texans I mean, I've, I've got a six and a half foot arm span. Yeah. It's nuts. That's a big animal, man. But yeah, even though it's like there's Texas that people get and they almost act like a pitiophis where they kind of huff and puff in the beginning and then they realize, okay, you're not a bird of prey. You're not a, a, a predatory cat or a predatory dog. I don't have to worry about you, you know? Right, right. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of one of those like, go ahead, bite me, and I will. Yeah. You'll probably regret it. I'm immune to venom. Fuck it. <laughs> You're just some jackass messing with yeah. me. I eat Atrox for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> have you and, have you fed have you fed any of your dries uh, uh, snakes or no? Mine. Yeah. No, um, I've had. I I'll be honest. Like I haven't lost much at home. And I used to bring stuff home from work when I was working in a reptile shop. I'm not anymore, though. And uh, I accidentally threw out, like, a lot of stuff that I had when I was moving and then left working in a shop. So I don't really have much. Like, I have a neonate chondro that, like, broke my heart when it passed. And, like, I couldn't. But I would have liked to. Um, I I did frogs. I did lizards. But I never did snakes. Yeah, I, I don't want to do it. I just... I just can't. I can't do it. I did. I did too much. You know, sna- snakes that only eat other snakes. And like Henry makes fun of me because Henry's huge on snakes that are Ophiophagus. And uh, I'm just done with it, man. Like I don't mind. I don't mind doing it. Like if I had to, or like it doesn't bother me. Like I don't get all squeamish or nothing. But like I just don't want to do it at home anymore. Right. But. Dude, I just can't get over how big that animal is. And look, look at the sunset. Look at the sunset, like how it fades in the sides of the body. Look at that. That's awesome. I love them, man. They are super cool snakes. I think I think Boyega, the entire genus, is relatively underrated for rear fang stuff, at least you know, because everyone wants hognose and false water cobras. And not to knock those because they're also cool. Anything rear fang to me is cool, but yeah, these are they're just they're a, it's an it's an alien genus, man. They're from another planet. Yeah, it they're definitely just, is. Them and Which I love them. Not of this world. I like the Baird stuff that you do, Justin, because that's kind of how I feel with that. Is like out of all the all the stuff, rat snake wise or Texas wise and whatever that people are working with, that's kind of one of the. It's, it's alien or it's like foreign for what's popular because people just overlook it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, it, and, it, and it's just a silly, ignorant overlooking because yeah. there's so many reptiles. You know, it's, it's very easy to miss a color of crayon in the Crayola box when it's 500 colors now. Yeah, but, true. Yeah, very true. I, I'm with you. I think that the Bairds are a super cool one or the Jansenite that you have now. Dude, I love those things. Those have actually turned out to be very easy keepers. Yeah. yeah, I was I was really not that I like 
doubted myself necessarily, but I was like, man, if I'm going to struggle with anything, it's really going to be these. But they've been stellar. Like, haven't had any problems. I think the females in shed, because I offered her food earlier, and usually I just put it at the mouth of the hide, and she just rips it. But uh, I think she's in a shed, because I put it in there, and I got no reaction today. So, And and the male, just like the, the other, like male boyga, you know, they kind of eat whenever they feel like it, which apparently is like once every six months. Yeah, um, right. What's the common on, it's Ganyasoma jansenai, yeah? Yeah. What's the comment on that? Uh, Jansen's rat snake, black-tailed rat snake. Um, yeah, I don't. I just think it's cool that, like, all, growing up, I always liked earth-toned snakes, like browns and rust colors and stuff like that. And everyone always made fun of me, like, dude, you got another brown snake. What would you do? And now I have friends like the two of you and Billy, and like, we love brown snakes. <laughs> So like and that makes me feel so good. Many shades of brown, right? There's so many shades, dude. I'm all about the khaki, man. All yeah, about man. The khaki. I, I live in the, the Sonoran Desert. Everything is brown. Like I, <laughs> I better yeah. enjoy the color, or I can't live here. So I've been all right. So I go to Vegas once a year for annual convention, but I go in January. So there's no point in me herping at all. It's it's cold as hell. Um, right. But two years ago, uh, I have a friend who is a – she's a professor of biology in uh, outside of Phoenix. And uh, she had me and my friend Brooke, who's a zookeeper in Palm Beach, the two of us went out there to do a field survey with her. And uh, we went to Tonto National Forest and we went to uh, Flying Dutchman and a couple other places I'm sure you know of. And apparently – uh, It's a state park. Oh. It's uh, out by the Superstition Mountains. Oh, you know, yes, it's not flying. It's sorry, it's Lost Dutchman. Lost Dutchman. The Lost, yeah. the Lost Dutchman. <laughs> the, the Flying lost Dutchman. Dutchman. <laughs> no, the Lost Dutchman. I, I I SpongeBob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but it was crazy because when I was going there, I'm a huge Western buff. I love cowboy shit, and I was expecting to see the barren wasteland, you know. And we, the first place we went to was Tonto, and. It was lush and green and flowering, and I was like, like what, the hell? what the hell? Where's the moonscape I was expecting? And my friend Rachel was telling me, she's like, no, you're blessed because you hit the beginning of the super bloom. And I was it, like... It's like maybe three months out of the entire year to see that. Exactly. And, and I was kind of bummed. And then she says that people go there every year, and they still miss it every year. Yeah. See ya. Bye, Dominique. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I, uh, that is I definitely got to come back when it's drabby. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, um, if you ever make it out here, I mean, it uh, rather the time of the year, I'll take you to some spots if you want to go find like uh, ridge nose and molos, the molosis, the uh, black-tailed rattlesnakes. Of course, there's a lot of cool southern stuff, and uh, dude, we'll make a drive down to Tucson. Uh, Tucson's where Tombstone is and is where yeah. like the OK Corral and Wyatt Earp and all that happened. Way yep. cool place. It's also where all the blacktails and that stuff is. And also it's not far from the TA mountains. Pay 15 bucks and watch a 15 minute video to get a permit. And you can go find the TA white specs, the ones that are all over the freaking internet. Yeah. yeah, That'd be, that'd be a cool little trip. You'd enjoy that'd that. Awesome. You like Western stuff. Dude, my Delta dash bill would be so big. 
dude. That's right. why, man, if we plan it, if we end up going to Texas, like if I come yeah. across a small, like small beards, it's, it's going home. Hey, if you guys make a trip out to Texas, let me know because my girlfriend and I are going to start making some trips out there to look like housing wise and areas we like. And uh, I'll totally meet you out there. Do some urban. That's yeah, man. Where are you guys state. Uh, I don't know yet. So I think we'll probably look at like Dallas, um, Arlington, San Antonio, those places first. But we'll probably pick. We want to look for a piece of land that's kind of more countryside. Neither of us are ones that are we don't have an issue driving an hour into like the city. Yeah, um, we don't have to be driving 45 minutes to like town or whatever, because, again, I grew up like mountainside in northern California, up a place called Elk Grove in a little town called Amador County or a little county called Amador in a town called Sutter Creek. And we were 45 minutes from the like the local market. So we'll probably find a countryside place. We can get a little land, want to do a little ranching um, and then just just some space for the reptiles. But we'll probably probably look closer to like the Arlington, Dallas or San Antonio areas. Cool. Cool. Yeah, I was actually I was talking to uh, Justin. You know him. Um, I don't know him well. He runs the Tex Chondros page. Um, oh, Mark. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Mark. Um, the nicest so I, guy ever. Because like I post skate stuff every now and then and he wakeboards. Yeah. And we both keep Chondros. And I was talking to him yesterday and he was saying, come out there for the Arlington show and we'll go look around and stuff. So that's pretty cool. I'll probably go out there at least for the Arlington show and meet up with him and look around. Yeah, man, that Arlington show, I feel like a lot of people kind of sleep on because compared like compared to Daytona and compared to Tinley, people kind of don't pay a whole lot of attention to it. But when I see videos of it, there's like all the Condro guys in Texas are there. Yeah, it looks yeah. great. It looks like it's super good for anything Morelia related. Yeah. It's funny. Scott says that blacktails are his favorite tail shakers. And uh, it's just it just goes back to that whole thing of like, us being enamored with Aussie stuff and then Aussies being like, Oh my God, your snakes have a rattle, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, what's funny is I don't like blacktails because I have had horrible, horrible captive husbandry issues with them. And the running joke is that blacktails die really well. Really? Yeah. And it's I remember just, you talking about that and you were saying yeah, they're just it's one species that just never seems to do well. And then, like, I had one friend. I had one friend. He spent a lot of money. He spent like seven or eight hundred dollars on locality-specific, captive-bred, established—not established, but like not baby—Oklahoma blacktails. And okay. he had them, and he got them to eat, and then they crashed at like six months. So, just just from knowing, like, I don't I don't keep blacktails, but I have a handful of friends that are. Venomous keepers, uh, a couple that are Game and Fish, which is my buddy that was just out with Club King before we started this. We were talking about he. Uh, a lot of them have seemed to notice that you guys are familiar with Morelia and like the like carpet stuff. So you know how like diamonds or rattles are kept a little bit colder than the other sure. ones. But sure, sure. Very similar range. Think Serbs, Molos, that stuff. I think are just a lot more. They're just temperature sensitive. They got to be a little cooler. Um, yeah. You know, they're a rattlesnake. So you'd think to keep them like a rattlesnake. But I think a super important part is just that, like, they come from microclimates that are um, neotropical. And so they have a little bit higher humidity and they have a little bit more of a temperature flux and it hits cooler and it doesn't get quite as hot because I think it's covered a little bit more by not only the humidity, but they come from a 
just a more uh, like foliage range. A little more temperate so, than you'd expect. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think yeah. that they just might be a little more temperature sensitive, a little more temperate than you'd, you'd plan for growth. Yeah, because like me and my friend, both of our rooms are ambient 80. So like mm -hmm. even that right there, like I don't keep the brettles in the room because of that. I keep brettles downstairs. So like, yeah. Yeah, you'd probably keep a, a, a Cerberus or a Melosus closer to how you'd keep probably like a, maybe, I don't know because I haven't had them, but maybe like a moccasin. Okay. Versus like a regular crow. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. probably better. Okay. So, yeah, that's, that's cool. they, uh, they're variable too out here. You'll find like a lot that are dingy. But like I was saying, if you go south to like Tombstone area, you hit the Tucson range, they get like highlighter yellow, green. And yeah, dude, I've seen that. I've seen the crazy bright neon yellow with black black uh, bands. Oh yeah, those are super cool. And I've seen I've seen ones where the, the black tail goes a third of the way up their body. Really crazy far. Yeah, yeah. That's I found one. Out in, uh, it was actually super east. I was looking for Cerberus last year. And we went out to a town called Globe that's very kind of just tucked away in the mountains a bit cooler. That's and like we were, well, that's that's like like three hours northeast of Phoenix. Yes, yeah, yeah. Or um a little less north. I'd say southeast of Phoenix, northeast of like the Mesa Tempe, like where the airport and stuff is. Okay, but okay, yeah, okay. All the way east. So when I was in 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 uh, uh, Tonto with my friend Rachel and Brooke. I, of course, I hit up a naturalist because I want to find Severus. That's like, the, I want them so badly, like just a jet black with the gold lines. Like, <laughs> yeah. Right. Like and I start, North Georgia tim uh, timbers. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. So I start, uh, I start looking and it was right. But I, I just remember globe, you know, and I start looking. I was like, this is a pine tree forest. Like, this isn't the desert, you know? Yeah, it's weird. They're, they're foresty rattlesnakes. They're not like your kind of open desert land rattlesnakes. You don't yeah. you only find them in the woodland areas. Well, and another thing is they're – I don't know the taxonomy on it because they're like playing with it, but it, it starts with an H, and it sounds ridiculous because nothing out here you can pronounce because it's either older Native American words that are just like you don't know how to fucking pronounce them, like Gila um, <laughs> yeah. or – you know, or like Chippewa or stuff like that, but have a supai. But there's some northerns that come like way colder, colder range, and they're like almost blue, gray, black, and orange when they're neonates. Wow. And they still turn completely black, but they have – they change almost like a Nicaraguan boa or something does, where they temperately change throughout the day with the temperatures. So okay. they'll go from being like colored and almost look like a, a wicked-looking Aatrox or Western Diamondback to being like completely black, like a Cerberus. So they're now being arguably reclassified as a subspecies of Cerberus. Okay. But all the Cerbs that we have out here are from like those type of areas. Like you find them in globe where the temperatures hit as low as 40 degrees and they come from like Flagstaff where it, it snows in the winter. Yeah. So it's weird. They're definitely a more moderate snake. That's super cool. And it's not seasonal like an inland Taipan. It's more like daily, like time of the day. Yeah, yeah. It's time of day. It's not like a Taipan where like they'll be yellow this time of year. They'll be dark browns or blacks this time of year or yeah. whatever. It's like a, you could find one in the morning that's gray, blue, and orange. 
um, on the lighter side. And then you could come back six hours later when the sun's setting and it's like twice as dark or almost completely wow. black. So yeah, That's it's really cool. cool. That's cool. That's super cool. Yeah, you'd like them a lot. If you guys ever make your way out here, definitely give me a call. I'll take you to, to some oh, places that hope you to. feel lucky. We've also got the the White Tank Mountains out here is a little range that has the uh, the Michelai or now being whatever called Pyrus. But yeah, I still call them Michelai. They Dude, uh, there's there's Michelai Michelai and there's Michelai Pyrus in my personal opinion. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, the, I think the only reason I say the I keep calling them Michelai is like if I discovered them and named them after me, I want them to stay named after me and not just have someone decide to reclassify them of later. Course. Of course, you know, like. Uh, but what's cool about that range is there's red ones, there's white ones, and there's blue ones. And yeah. different ranges will have darker blue ones, or like Congress is a, a road that you can cruise out here that like the red ones will be like sunset orange. But that specific mountain range is cool because you can find all three. You can find reds, whites, and blues. And you can find ones that have been integrated between the colors. So you can find red, white, and blue speckled rattlesnakes, which is That's awesome. You get more American of a viper than that. Right. Dude, and, the, and like the quintessential Southwest, you know, like that's awesome. You just need some fucking Bud Light and apple pie. <laughs> That's the only, you know what, though, on that note, I had said earlier, we have a bag limit of four. That's what sucks. They're all Michelai, no matter the color. Mm. So you can't have a pair of reds, a pair of whites, and a pair of blues. You got to pick your two favorite. Which ah, so now let me ask you this. When you say bag limit, you're referring not to the amount you're allowed to fuel collect at one time, but also the amount that you're keeping in the home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then you're, you're given six months to a year if they have like babies that exceed your bag limit to find homes for them. It's six months, six months, you say six months, six to 12 months. Yep. The, um, I'm trying to find, I can't remember his name. I feel horrible about that, but I believe it's Dr. Connors who wrote the rattlesnake, one of the rattlesnake books. Okay. I'm pretty sure he's in Yuma and his photography is just amazing with all the Michelai and like dude he'll show like den sites with like the blue dad and the white mom and like the blue and white babies and it's like yeah. oh it's my insane. god it's even crazier to like there's there's a mountain out here that's protected so you can't touch them if you find them but you will find them if you go on the mountain because they're kind of all over the place and what's cool right. is Gila monsters are in the same exact same range so you'll find Gila's too but you'll find like the coolest they are like powder blue to midnight blue speckled nice. rattlesnakes. You'll, you'll walk up on like breeding pairs that are locked up. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, you guys would enjoy that a lot probably. Uh, I'm trying Phil, to find... What's that? Hendog wanted you to show the picture of a berm. <clears throat> Oh yeah, um, it is a shot of the berm he sent him. It is a gigantic Burmese python, and to be honest, I thought Henry was joking. I thought he was insinuating it was going to be food for mango, but you know, seeing as how mango is only six foot and this berm is probably twenty foot, um, oh. <laughs> uh, let me find this picture. Stand by, guys. Uh, where is this? Where is Hendog? Here he is. 
You know, it's funny when we had Jake Many on uh, THP. He talked about how Australians are obsessed with rattlesnakes. Yeah. Right. Yep, that's a Burmese python, all right. Yep. That's a big old head, though. Big old head. Hmm. Trying to find uh, this page. Have you noticed how much berms are on the uprise right now in the community? Uh, I haven't, actually. I've noticed a little bit of an uptick in social media posts. I wouldn't say it's anything too big, but I'd say that retics are definitely on the downslope and berms are going right back uphill. The ebb and flow. Yep. What's up with your chondros, man? You've been getting locks? You're asking me? Yeah. Just, uh, I only, I had more chondros and I'll be honest, when I was in the shop, I, uh, I made a few deals on some import chondros that are no longer with me for some Boyga stuff, but I only have one pair at the moment, and it's that it's the Aru Biok pair, that blue Aru, that other Biok, mm-hmm. and I've had, I've had a few locks, um, and it's interesting because they stay on the same perch up high in the back, and they stay close to each other, but it's cool that they'll kind of tell me when they're locking because the male when he's not locked up with her, we'll go pull her opposite side of the perch. And then he'll just go stack up on top of her. So I've locked three times as yeah. far as I think. So fingers crossed on that. I've never bred chondros. This would be the first time for me. So that'd be exciting. I tried feeding that- my female today and she went off food. So oh, mine's, wow. uh, I think I think she's she's got some follicles in the works or something. Oh, good, good. That kind of go off food. For some reason, I was under the impression you were talking about the one you just got. Mm-mm. No, he eats like a freaking champ, man. That's good. Yeah, my female's off food right now, too. It's funny because Joe, Joe was like, he's kind of picky, and then like he's eating every time I fed him. Like, no hesitation. Interesting. So, I, what was that? I was just saying, my male could be a bit finicky. I was actually going to say, though, too, and now that I realize it, because you just said your female went off food, um, my female actually did go off food this week. This is the bird she passed up this week, and she shed yesterday, and she is thick. And I'll be completely honest with you, I don't pull them out too, too much, like the mm-hmm. R is a puppy dog, and so is the Biok, but I have to, it takes time to take her out. Yeah, mine's that I way. I don't pull her out and feel her for follicles all too often, but I will say that she's looked a lot thicker. Um, so I think she's starting to build follicles and she just shed yesterday. So let's, let's go. Yeah. And it's funny cause she started each day. She's gone further and further towards the cool end, which she usually hangs out on the hot end. And whether I have the temperature set up, I have it set down. She, the hot end is usually just where she hangs out. And so she's been inching her way to the right in that, in that cage. So I think there's definitely something going on. I got to get a male in there. What's uh, what do you think you're gonna pair on that one? I don't know. I wanna I wanna do that new guy. Um, he's supposedly five years old. Um, not supposedly he is five years old, but he's tiny. He's he's a dwarf compared to her. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I've also got a, a, another sub adult male that's been cruising a lot lately. Um, I tried him earlier in the year, and he's he was he had no clue what he was doing. He just he was terrified. 
So that chondros um, go more off of age than size. Yeah, I mean, you can like people have been able to get younger male chondros to breed, but for the most part, uh, like Andy Middleton had kind of told me before, like you know they're ready when you start seeing them, like you start seeing plugs just randomly in the water bowl or in the bottom of the cage. Yeah. Uh, so, but I mean, he's he's three ish years old coming up on it, so he's getting there. He just uh, that blue. Dude. Pull up. Yeah, that one. That's a good looking one. So this is Dr. O'Connor. Um, he wrote, uh, and I'm going to butcher the name, but it's a rattlesnake book. It's like the quintessential rattlesnake book. Okay. And I, I was following his stuff a long time ago, and his photography gets better and better, and just the stuff that he posts is just breathtaking. Are and you are you on Instagram? Yeah, you are. Yeah. Look up, look up um, T.R. Adamson Photography. That's my buddy oh, yeah. out he, uh, he's my buddy that works with Game and Fish and phenomenal photographer. If you guys have amazing seen, work. Yeah. He, I've had him come to my house and take photos and you'll find him on there. He's got photos of my animals. Like that are freaking perfect, perfect pictures. Dude, look at those. Yeah. Look at those. Those are the TAs. That's phenomenal. Pull Magazine up, cover. Uh, Scroll down and try to find one of the orange, like, Congress specs. And I'll tell you to stop if I see one of the red, white, and blues. Whoa, whoa. That's not supposed to be there. No, no, that's a tiger snake. I know. Yeah, he, cool. yeah. Scott he, just he, sent me some tigers I got to post up as soon as we've done looking at rattlesnakes. There's a King Mulga up there, uh, or a King Brown, a Mulga up there, too. Oh, 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 Got to follow him now. <laughs> got to follow him. <laughs> That's Wheeler-Eye, right? That is... Uh, I don't know. What's he calling it? Banded. Yeah, he's just calling it... Honestly, it looks like a synctus. There would okay. be there would be more blotching on the face and a lot more black on, on the face here if it was Wheeler-Eye or just Wheeler-Eye. And, and spikier, huh? Uh, no, it'd probably be, I mean, probably be about the same spiky level, but it would definitely have black markings on the face. Oh, man, these... Oh, there it is. Girl, just just above that one afterwards, you'll find some really cool ones on here. But uh, just above that picture, look at that blue. That thing is like purple. Oh, yeah. That's phenomenal. Phenomenal. And so, then, yeah, I definitely got to follow this guy. The um, Just a little bit. Look at that subhawk. I, he oh, might wow. have a photo of one of those Serbs I was telling you about that like what? they do not look like Serbs. I'm going back. I'm going back. You there? Yeah. All right. You like that? <laughs> down, down, down. Look for like a You're almost like, like a, a blue, gray, orange, and black. Whoa, whoa, whoa! What's going on here? Yeah, he found an Owen Pelly. Oh, don't tell Burke and them that. I know, dude. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, he was. He went out with uh, that Chandler's Wildlife YouTube channel. And found that that stuff. Oh, right there, right there. That's one of them. No, no, no. Go up. The picture of him. Go up. Now go to the left of it. If I'm not mistaken, that's a Cerberus. Down. Oh my God, Wait. Phil. That's no, not no, a rattlesnake. I know. This is a Cerberus. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, that's a Cerberus. A northern. Wow. Look at that. Crazy. And dude, like, I gotta be honest. I kind of. I don't. I I love it. I think it's gorgeous, but I 
kind of like the black. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's a Cerberus. It's named after the dog of the That underworld. one looks like a Miami corn snake. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Well, what's crazy is they'll go from that color to black throughout the day. Oh, that's the one that's that's the daytime switcher. Yeah, that's the one. Look at that, Molo. Oh, yeah. So, all right. So, I also want to show you guys this, too. This guy's name is Mark, and I don't uh, – I mean, I just know it as Mark Yuma because that's his thing. But I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, his stuff's dude, awesome too. Dude, look at I've this. Been, I really want an article from him, but dude, I don't look know at that! Happen. Look at that black banded speck that almost looks like a California king snake. Those are crazy, dude. Like I, I look at some of these Mitchelli, and it makes me want to like have marble countertops made with. There's their a red, white, and blue. There's a red, white, and blue far left. Um, just go up a little bit. This one? Right, bottom bottom one, bottom one, right under it. This one. Oh, this one. Um, yeah, that one. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, three colors in it. Those are insane. I love how the eye is like the exact same sort of static. What's color. crazy is the, the rocks they live on mm -hmm. look exactly like that. They're the most cryptic things on the planet. Yeah, we had a white pyrus at Underground that somebody gave the owner of Underground, and they brought back rocks with that were the same color as the snake and we kept them in the enclosure with it. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh. We were, yeah, we were talking about that a couple episodes back about how like just how long it took for natural selection and stuff to narrow it down so that each That's population why. looks the way it does, you know. That's kind of why I brought that up. I, I listened to that episode when you guys were talking about like how they match their surroundings and they really do like the rocks where the white rattlesnakes come from look exactly like that. You can kind of see it in the background of that one on the bottom left. If you look out of there. That thing looks like a demon, man. I love it. They're <laughs> awesome. Consuming angels. <laughs> That's awesome. It's just, I, as far as like the whole evolution versus creationism thing, it's like this kind of tight, kind of takes a whole argument and sort of throws it out the window. It, it kind of does. Now that's red, white, and blue, right? Uh, I would say so. I'd say it's probably like uh, it's got a lot of blue in it, but I mean it's orange on the belly, so I'd yeah, say yeah, moldy bread morph. I'd I'd say it's more than likely a blue red cross, and there's no white in it, but the blues and the reds both have some white. And see, like the this is the these are photos like this that really really get me because. As much as I love the macro stuff and I love looking at the scalation and I like looking at the animal in general, these are the photos. Like, for example, Kyle. When Kyle takes his photos of his clobs in the desert and it's this style where yeah. you get the full, you know, ambiance of where the animal is living and what it's doing and like just the amazing scenery that it calls home. Like that just does it, man. You know? You got Irvin's attention. And then uh here, before, before we forget, I got to throw this up because God bless Scott for sending me the most awesome pictures. Why can't I find this? Is this going to do it? There it is. Look at that. That's a tiger. That is a patternless tiger. 
I wonder if man, I'm gonna have to send it to you after the the stream. But I gotta send you a picture. It looks exactly like that, only it's got a rattle on it. Uh, buddy of mine just went and picked up a very crazy looking patternless Western Diamondback rattlesnake from his sister's front door. Oh, you sent me the picture of that. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I sent you. It was crazy, wasn't it? It was like it almost went from yellow to black. And then, like, I love this one. Look at this. Like, the coloration of the face. And just that almost looks like Oiga. Yeah. Crazy. Dude, and imagine, like, if this was a little darker, it would almost, honestly, I mean, obviously the head's different, but that yellow with the with the darkness in between the scalation, like, that's that looks like my water pythons, man. If it was just darker, yeah. That's what? A tiger? That's a tiger. That's insane. Yeah, that's a tiger. That's awesome. Did you just say you had water pythons? Yeah, I got a pair of Queenslands. Damn, I actually didn't know that. How are those? I've actually I've really wanted water pythons. Yeah, man, I just... Um, I, uh, from what people are telling me, I'm blessed. They are very, very <laughs> food aggressive, uh, but they're learning, they're learning the difference between me and food and they're chill, man. They're so chill. They just really? hang out. Okay. Now let me ask you this because I love, I love Nerodia for what they are, but I don't keep them because I don't keep aquariums. I don't want to deal with aquariums and that kind of stuff. On the water pythons, are they anaconda set up or are they Nerodia set up? So I kind of got into them on a whim. I have never been a Lyasis guy, like at all. And I got Billy, look at the white lip, look at the olive, look at the maglots. And I'm like, all right, they're they're awesome. And my buddy got a bunch of babies from the guy who bred them and I was like, this is a perfect opportunity. My buddy hooked me up. I got a, I got a male, and then I was like, yo, track me down a female, and then I want to pick the female up at Daytona. Um, they're clutch mates, unfortunately, but you know, beggars can't be choosers. And in, in my research, they're highly aquatic. And I looked at it in the same way of like, so cottonmouths are the only true semi-aquatic viper, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Like you have other vipers that go into the water to hunt or to live or whatever, but like never. Right, but cottonmouths they need to be ma marginally aquatic. So with all my stuff, I don't do like paludariums or anything for the cottonmouths. I just have a big basin for them to go into, like and my Quincy monitors and my arboreal monitors. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. yeah. So like, so like your Quince monitor, it may go in there, it may swim around, it may look for food underwater play around underwater or it may sleep a little bit underwater but the majority of its life is out right so i figured okay. when i set okay. the water pick on babies up i have them in in right now they're in they're shoved into 16 quart tubs uh which i'm probably gonna have to move them out this month because they're growing like weeds but half the tub is a is a, st a smaller sterilite container for water and then the other part has uh <laughs> there you go jeff and then the other, the back end, the hot side has a cork round, some paper towel rolls, and some rolled up paper. Um, okay. But everyone told me they're not as aquatic as the name in, in, in stills. And then okay. just two days ago, they've been living underwater for like three days now. Two days now, three days now. I don't think I've ever seen a video in the wild where they weren't pulling them out of the water or on the edge of a water line. So... Okay. I'd imagine they're pretty aquatic. So 
here's let me i got pictures because because everyone was like oh they don't they don't stay in the water they don't stay in the water and then all of a sudden they're in the water and i'm like oh my god they got mites oh my god what am i doing wrong oh my god the temperature's too hot they're trying to cool down and i was like wait a minute they're called water pythons you know what i mean right. so this is actually i took this picture like two days ago uh Streamyard share screen. So there's the male, and cool. there's about an inch and a half, two inches of water, and he could go completely underneath it, but he's just not choosing to. So there's the male, and then that was at like maybe eight in the morning, eight thirty in the morning before I left for work, <clears throat> and then when I got home that night, I find the female like that. Weird. And I was like, all right. And like, I checked them. Like, they don't have mites. They look Probably fine. waiting for food. Honestly, I think they're. I think they're going in a shed, maybe. Or, or maybe they go into the water, like Justin said, like when they're hungry because they're used to eating in the water. But yeah. then the entire rest of the week or whatever time that they're not hungry or breaking down that food, they're just sitting outside. Yeah, I mean, and I'm sorry, but like, they're so derpy cute. Dude, they're so cool. They're like miniature olive pythons that live in the water. And these pictures are horrible because, like, yes, this dorsal coloration is correct, but like this female, her belly is legit yellow rat snake yellow. And then the male, the male belly is like a peach color. Um, really? Yeah. And I was so enamored. Oh, there's my Brettles female with a giant meal in her. Um, I was so enamored. I was like, I had to take a picture because. Now, this is like, this was yesterday. So they both have just been chilling in there for two or three days now. <clears throat> now, they only get, what, six feet or so? Uh, yeah. From what I gather, the average is about six or seven, and then the max is like 10 or 11. Um, wow. That's big. I, I, I know with my luck, they'll probably end up being 12. <laughs> <laughs> but here is um, here's the female where you can kind of get a better idea Again, these are cell phone pictures, so forgive me, peoples. All of mine. As soon as Justin comes back, we'll share that. So you enjoy keeping them, though? Oh yeah, they're awesome. They're awesome, and I'm I'm just really happy that they're that they're tame, because I have so much stuff that I can't play with because it's venomous. That it was, I really wanted to get a species that I could interact with more on like a handheld personal level. Um, so that right. this is a female, and I mean, again, bad cell phone photos, but you can see how much yellow there is. Yeah, I thought she was going to be a lot more like cream or white. That's actually really cool. And then uh, I have some uh, other shots of the male. Whoops. Where's the male? Got so many freaking photos, man. Ooh. I want to get an anacondas as well. I actually have a friend out here who has a litter of greens that are being born end of this month, beginning of next month. So hopefully an anaconda. That's the fine. gestation period on those things is outrageous. Dude, it's been nine months. Oof. Sounds nine right. months. That's rough. 
So there's a, there's the male, and uh, this picture is good because you could totally see that cream belly. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, he's very peach. Yeah. Dude, I want some. Those are cool. Just got great, great everything. Great personality. Great eaters. They're awesome. Jeff says to pull one out. Should I pull one out? Hey, you go you go grab one of those. I've got 15% battery left, unfortunately, because I decided to use my phone for this episode. But while you go pull one of those, I'll go pull uh, one snake that I wanted to talk to you guys about since we were on the topic of old world rat snakes earlier. Yeah. Cool. Justin, entertain. Okay. The harmonicas. I need to get some bugs to feed these turkicus, and so I'm looking because there's almost always some little roach or something running around in here. And tonight there's not. Miguel, he has a, I don't know, one of his blues is like super chill. But I think maybe his, I think he has a pair of them. And I think one of them's really mellow and the other one's not. But I could be wrong. He could just have the one. Not sure. But this might going to be my little bug catcher. Cigar tubes, man. I use them for everything. I use them for probing snakes. Like small ones. Tube them. Probe them. Let them go. Catching bugs, shipping frogs, drill a little hole in the lid for air, zing. Yeah, so Miguel asked uh, what the temperament of your blue beauty is like, because his is an asshole. And oh. I know you had you have that mellow one, and then do you have another one, or is that the only one you have? This is the only one right now. Um, okay. Here, let me, let me tell you, so I've got a mail um, that hopefully will be coming soon, but I've had three mails. Mm -hmm. And being completely honest, my female, sweetest thing ever, never had an issue with her. Like, she's a great snake. However, every male I have uh -oh. ever had pees on me, poops all over me. It wants to bite the shit out of me every time I go to interact. Like, the males are just so much more temperamental than any female that I've ever interacted with. So I don't know if there is a, a thing there, but... I mean, the beauties are really good. It seems like, though, you want to get them young. Get them really little. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, if you raise them up, they're – okay, put it this way. Uh, old world rat snakes, if you're familiar with – if you're familiar with, like, uh, any of the pitaya stuff, so mm -hmm. killed rats, oriental rat snakes, um, Ganyasoma stuff too, like red-tailed green rats, the Jansenai, radiated rat snakes, all that old world stuff is – really defensive if it's imported or you get it older even yeah. a little bit older um but if you get it captive or you get it imported young they're so smart that they truly like watch your actions like a dry mark on um indigos mm -hmm. black tails yellow tails and you do definitely gain like a bit of a like a respect with them i feel i don't like know the mine have always been pretty good yeah because you always so, brag about that one it's like she she wants to stack up on you, and even still, like it's it's all bluff, you know. 
So this I realized either look at this butt. There is a massive turd just <laughs> ready to come out of that butt. You walked out and you held it up, and I saw the first thing you were showing was that poop. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's good. Poops are good. And you can see the, the belly. Insane. That so that's the female you said? Yeah, this is the female. Okay, so that's the yellow one. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Man, I want some of those. Those are too cool. And dude, this thing, I, I'm pretty sure this was born in either May or June. Wow. That's a big baby. Yeah. So so they they kind of give birth to like the same damn near close to the same size as like olive babies. Yeah, like from what I gather. And, and, it, babies. and I don't know if maybe the female just ate more, but she's way bigger than the male. It almost it almost made me feel like she was maybe like a yearling and he was not. But from what I gather, the breeder only had one clutch this year, so I have no idea. Oh, weird. And yeah, you, that's right. You said they're, those are captive bred, right? Yeah. Yeah, and from what other people are telling me too is that uh, the the Queensland and most of like the fog dam stuff that they have in Europe, like in London and the Netherlands and stuff, they're way more chill than the New Guinea stuff. And, like everyone who says about New Guineas, they all talk about how they're 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 basically giant white lips. Oh, there that's goes the turd. Oh, God. You reap what you sow. Well done. I mean, you oh, should have known that was going to happen. Like, if I saw a snake like that, I'm like, I know as soon as I pull you out, it's you're ejecting. It's it's happening. Well, now I don't have to clean the cage. This goes. All right, I'll be right back. You need oh. a diaper or something for it? It is literally everywhere. My That's snakes so are inside. I just have my my lowly group of, of turkicus geckos down oh, here <laughs> that I, I need to water because the pothos needs water. Hey, and actually, question for you, Justin. Do your Jance and I have, like, liquid poop, or do they have, like, solid poops? You know, when I first got them, um, it was very not solid. Okay. But the handful of So, I don't know if that's yeah. I don't know if that's just a matter of like my feeders or Do you feed rats, my or, or like rodents. You feed rodents. Going out again. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, cool. I think we're good. Yeah, I feed them rodents. Okay. That, that might have something to do with it. I mean, mine are all on, like I said, birds, which happen to be like... Just yeah, I've them. heard overall it's a lot runnier. Dude, this girl, like, they are... If I can say one thing, and I'm sorry that I forgot um, the name of who commented about the Blue Beauties, but I'm sure you can... It was Miguel. Uh, Miguel. They are... Very, very big poops. So, like, they do still somehow poop often. Um, they're they're not like a solid. They're like a giant 
you've seen you've seen Jurassic Park. Everyone on this has probably seen Jurassic Park. Like rather you're watching the third one or the first one, like there's always something buried in poop that they have to dig out. Mm-hmm. And there's like big steamy heaping, like just piles of what look like half liquid, half solidity. Huh. Is exactly like, dude, that is these things twice a week. It is if there's one downside to like indigos or the beauties, it is just that they poop and it's brutal constantly. Yeah, I mean all my like my beards, the corns, the cyania, I'm like, oh my god. That's why I guess maybe like chondras sort of skew your your view on that stuff because it's especially with the adults, it's like a like a quarterly event. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah, the chondras are easy. And they, they have like so with any of the Morelia stuff kind of, um, the carpets too. They're, they use like every little bit of that food that you give them. Mm-hmm. So they have like these tight little small poops. Yeah. And then they double in size. Whereas these things, like they double in size, but they expel so much still that I think that it's just like they just grow fast. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I would think that that would be tied to just they're probably naturally eating a lot more than, than most contras and carpets are in a year. You know, those guys are probably, since they're much more opportunistic they're probably eating everything you know especially the boiga you know being sort of the the nest raiders the ninjas of the trees and uh yeah yeah you know it makes sense the best word because that's exactly what they are these raid nests yeah and all those colubrids i mean you know high metabolism so i mean they're going to be eating more often just out of necessity just to keep the engine running and like chondros and brettles, which kind of come to mind. I mean, you're, I, I legitimately, those things are probably only eaten six months out of the year, realistically, in the wild at least. So, right. you know, they're they're built to run on a lot less. I mean, all snakes are, but chondros in particular. Wild. Chondros, huh. it's so funny that Phil is wearing that carpet shirt. Yeah. <laughs> I, dude, because because it was this cast, I almost wore the exact same shirt tonight. And as, as great as it would have been to be matching, I'm so glad that I did. More <laughs> <Or> better. <laughs> no, but yeah, you see them like you see the in the wild photos and stuff. Like Nick Mutton posts a lot of that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And dude, they'll be eating like big ass birds or like bats, like giant fruit bats. And they're these huge meals, but it's like that one meal is probably lasting them a month, month and a half. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, that's that's a short term, right? Probably much more, you know, longer than that. Actually, um, well, comparatively to captivity, you know, just trying to double yeah. or quadruple the the amount we feed them in captivity. Yeah, they eat so much less. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm actually some of my juvies. I'm actually I need to cut them back on food just because they're starting to get kind of kind of chunky and like my adults. If I can't remember the last time I fed them, then they're probably due to eat. Right. You know, I just, I think chondros overall, you know, unless they're neonates, they're just, they're pretty rapidly overfed. And because they're so sedentary compared to colubrids and stuff, getting them to lose weight is pretty much impossible, you know, yeah. outside of just for a year straight. Well, and it's, it almost seems like people either, they either underfeed chondros because they're too afraid to overfeed them. Or they overfeed them because they're too afraid to underfeed them. Yeah, I don't and think you can. I don't think underfeeding is possible. Right, right, right. So, like, either they end up with normal-looking green tree pythons, or more often than not, they end up with, like, prolapses and mm-hmm. crap. 
But it's yeah, true. my rule of thumb is if they've pooped from the last meal, a full poop, and they're sitting with their head untucked, mm-hmm. then they're ready to eat. Yeah. If they're in shed, I never feed them. They don't eat in shed, at least mine don't. Mm-hmm. And they they eat every time they poop. So if they poop this week and it takes six days, then I'll feed them on seven. But if next week it takes 12 days, then I feed them on 13. It's kind of like I feed them where, when they tell me they're ready versus like all the other animals that I keep. Where right. like once a week on the carpets, once a week's fine. And I'll feed them a big mm-hmm. meal and it'll still be fine and they'll be ready to go in five days. But yeah, with the yeah. chondros, you can go two, three weeks and they just don't want to eat yet. Yeah, my adults, depending on if I have any like medium rats on hand or something, like my big female and my, my adult male, um, regularly they'd eat, they'd eat once a month, but eat, but that's that's if I have rats. So that's a good point too. You know, you get so many people that they buy chondros and they're very used to, for example, just because they're so common, like ball python feeding, and they it's once a week. It's do one and a half times the size, the widest part of their body, blah, blah, blah. And then you get to chondros where they're, they're a python and people hear python and go, oh, I know how to feed a python. And then don't realize yeah. that like it's, it's just so, so, so different. You, yep. you go like the they're, same they're... size, not less than their body, and you feed them when they want to eat it kind of thing versus like you don't yeah. want a giant bridge on a snake that doesn't move for – a week because how's it supposed to burn it off or digest it right well i mean even you know um vin rousseau has talked about it on the old herp nation radio shows if anybody's listened to those they're really worth going back and listening to i think they're all still up there um but he had vin rousseau on uh it was nick mutton who was hosting at the time and vin rousseau said this you know the same thing he's like you know boas like naturally they're literally eating six meals a year probably like realistically Right. You know, and we're feeding these things year round. We get these adult females in a matter of like three years. You know, they're they're not living as long as other animals that are grown slower. Their reproduct uh, reproductivity rates go down. Their fertility rates go down. But you come to find if you take your time and you don't breed a female until she's six years, she produces like her her career as far as a breeder is much longer. She's yeah. producing healthy litters, consistent litters. Like, it's just, it's so easy to overfeed them. And I mean, that's all snakes. I mean, there are some exceptions like the boiga, you know, young boiga. I'm not going to let those go longer than probably a week without food in them just because they're so small. Um, but then you get to adults and like my, for, you know, my male cyanie, he, he kind of eats whenever he wants to, which is not often. And I remember messaging Nipper and being like, are they all pretty much like this? And he said, yeah. And he's like, my males, six months, they'll, they'll go without food, which is crazy because you would think being such a small, thin snake that they would, you know, with a higher metabolism too with that, that they would require more regularly. But I think being males and the same with chondros, uh, you know, they can, they can probably handle a little more. Yeah. On on that note with like breeding stuff too. I mean, you get, you have so many people that think that, um, and, and Bowens, cause you use that as example is such a good one. How many people tell you, you know, don't breed your boa until it's six, eight feet long or whatever? How many people can actually wait six years for a boa to be able to breed? And what it is, is it's like most of the time, it's not a matter of if it's six or eight feet long. It matters if it's Mm -hmm. three or five. Maturity. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
put it here's here's like a brash, but and I'm sorry guys, but I have six percent battery, so I might have to just like escape soon. Um, so that I don't just disappear on you. But <laughs> a very brash example would be like if, if I mean people is the easy example we can get, right? Because we're freaking people. Um, it doesn't matter if, if your kid is eight years old and four hundred pounds and your other kid is 18 years old and 200 pounds, that doesn't mean that the 400-pound kid's the one that should be going off and getting married and starting a family. True. You know, it's still a maturity. You know, you Mm -hmm. start to grow into it. It's time-oriented. People don't breed at 12 years old anymore because it's not genetically safe for us, and and we're not developed yet. And and weight also plays effect on people. You know, the the more – the more weight or whatever could play effect or the less weight could affect your organs and stuff and the genetic reproduction. So mm-hmm. I don't, I really, if there's one thing that kind of bothers me with like breeding and advice that's out there, it's any time that I hear someone say like, Oh, you know, don't breed this until it's 12 feet long. And that's not like my, my idea on it is like, no, I'm going to breed this at two and a half years because in the wild, they have survival instincts and they have reproduction instincts mm-hmm. and they don't have five years to play escape before they can try to make babies. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's- you know, and depending on the snake that can play too. a chondro is so different. Something that lives on the ground and is more susceptible to predators is going to breed younger more than likely because it has less time and more potential threat than something that lives way up in a canopy that blends in with its surroundings and nothing hardly ever sees it has a little bit yeah. more time. And it's, that's, that's always kind of a sort of a weird, I guess, dichotomy is like uh, in captivity. Yeah. You probably want to give it some time. You want to, you want to wait, but in the wild, I think a lot of species are probably breeding a lot smaller and a lot younger than, than right. you would think. You know, that cyania female, like compared to your blackheads, um, I mean, she's a fair bit smaller than, than those. So, uh, you know, I was kind of concerned at first because I was like, she's she's pretty young. She's pretty small. But then if you think about it, I mean, they're they it probably isn't uncommon. And I mean, this is just a theory. It's not um, documented or anything like that. But I, I think it's probably not uncommon for those to double clutch naturally. Right. Um, you know, I think the Nigerceps triple clutch this year, her yeah. first clutch slugged out, but I mean, this is the third clutch in eight months. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, and, so I, I, and I, if I'm being completely honest, I have done nothing but cohab them and keep yep. their husbandry properly. And pretty yeah. much everyone I know that's kept Boyga and cohab, same thing. Like Terry Burwell, his Synodon crank out a clutch all the time it's almost like yeah it's like keeping freaking crested geckos man you're just you just wait there's another clutch and you know i think like i said a lot of species i think are breeding younger than we may think and i mean it makes sense because from a survival standpoint you know they can't wait until they're five years old to to pair up um but at the same time you're also not having animals that are breeding annually. You probably have animals that are breeding every other year, every two years, maybe every three years. Um, so, I mean, it's that whole, like it, it's, it's kind of tough to navigate. And I think it's like, I'm of the opinion in captivity maturity matters way more yeah. 
than anything else matters way more than weight because you can have a smaller animal like a smaller chondro for example that's maybe only 500 grams but it's also a six-year-old animal that's probably going to fare better than a three-year-old biog yeah you know or put throw throw this like ingredient into it the the quicker it's grown the more you affect it biologically or genetically Mm -hmm. and you make it less healthy so you're speed growing a snake that you're making it less healthy to begin with so by the time you breed it you've created issues within the genetic structure to carry over to the the offspring and i'm sure there's things that come into play too like older animals are going to have better bone density and things like that um you know reproductive reproductive wise yeah they're going to be better suited for that you know rather than a big young animal you want this i'm okay with having a smaller smaller clutch from a smaller female but an older female yeah yeah same that's why i was so surprised when i got eight eggs from that cyania because i was like i'm gonna get like four they'll probably be duds yeah she freaking knocked it out of the park man dude i'm excited for you on that one that's that's big news and i'm excited that i have that uh that other pair of unrelated cyania coming in from Dan because two years down the road, we'll, we'll, we'll play uh, some stuff with some nigerceps or sign it on if you want in the meantime, yeah. but I'll always be looking for new cyania blood and stuff. So I'm excited for you on that. And Vic earlier asked what, perf- what bedding I prefer to use with colubrids. Um, I use either Aspen or Carefresh. Oh, like the, like kind of like guinea pig hamster bedding. That's what the Carefresh is, right? I think Justin froze. Oh no! Yeah, but yeah, I'm pretty sure he's using the uh, the Carefresh ferret bedding or something, right? Like a rodent bedding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it, it, it's basically compressed. It's pellets of compressed paper. So oh. when they get wet, they expand and they kind of poof out and like a cotton ball kind of thing. Yeah. So I use Aspen because I think it's better for the animal to burrow in in terms of like rat snakes and stuff wanting to get underneath it or, you know, smaller terrestrial stuff like hog nose wanting to get underneath it. But you have to be, in my opinion, you have to be more Johnny on the spot with the maintenance because Aspen molds out real quick and Aspen always gets thrown into the water dish. And now you have a soggy moldy mess that you have to deal with. So I think as long as you, and me personally, as long as I keep up with the Aspen, I prefer the Aspen, but like some of the colubrids manage to keep them on paper. Just because, you know, it's yeah. like cobras, they're poop machines, you know? Dude, that's my thing. If, if anyone asked me, I would say New World Colubrid, Aspen, yeah. Dryer Belly, Old sure. World Colubrid. I like to blend, like, Jungle Mix to some Repti Bark or some Cypress Mulch. I know you love Jungle Mix. Yeah, love it is a phenomenal yeah. product. It's a very good, like, ABG plant soil blend. Yep. Um, it holds your humidity very well. I love that you described, like, kind of how it sinks down through layers and takes a little time yeah it can be really good for the old world stuff if you have any stuff from like asia um super super good to do like a little blend of that but yeah paper towel if you have stuff that's poop machines you're wasting money if you're not using paper towel i mean it's just more effective you know the snake doesn't need the bedding if the water's in there if they can soak in Mm -hmm. their dish for the shed or you want to give them a soak yeah Yeah. paper towel Everything I have is pretty much on paper towel. It's cost effective and it works well unless it needs to be on substrate. Oh yeah, I agree. And before I, uh, before I got into, before they had jungle mix, 
almost all the Cobras, the true Cobras, I kept them on. A, I was buying their big spools. They're like three foot tall spools of newspaper. That is what they use yeah. to print newspaper on. Right. And mm -hmm. I would buy those spools. It was like 30 bucks for, you know, an entire spool. And that spool would last me well over a year or two. Yeah. And I would just pull off sheets and cut it. And, you know, I just have a, a drywall knife and just lay it in there, mm -hmm. cut, it, cut it to the shape of the enclosure, the vision cage or whatever. You know, and then at the same time, you can take that newspaper and I can crunkle it, crunkle it up into like a big ball and just throw it in the corner. Now I have something that they can go through or go into or whatever. And if they poop on it or it goes in the water dish, who cares? It's newspaper. But I don't have yeah. to worry about the ink or the toxins or whatever they actually put on like, you know, the Sunday circular because God only knows what's printed on that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm um, with you on that. I think paper works really well. But for the, yeah, the North American stuff or just New World stuff, Aspen. Yeah. yeah, well, I had to put the beards on it because they would freaking flip the water bowl if I didn't give them some sort of loose substrate to, to dig mm -hmm. around in. And it got I got so tired of it. And as soon as I switched them over to particulate substrate like Aspen or Carefresh, the, the flipping of the water bowl stopped for the most part. Oh, and before you cut out, we were talking about the Carefresh. So the Carefresh is like the stuff they have for rodents where it's like a pellet. It's a compressed paper. As no. a it's no? just like a like it's just it's like that. Ex if if those pellets were expanded. It's the stuff okay. that they use for like hedgehog bedding and stuff, right? Yeah, probably. I mean, you can get it at Walmart. Like, I even some of the grocery stores carry it. Yeah, it's super well, absorbent. As, uh, as grim as it is for me to have to say, because this has been a lot of fun. I have one percent battery, and I would hate to just like disappear on you. All right. Yeah, well, it's bedtime, anyways. Yeah. I well, thanks for coming on, man. We appreciate it. We had a lot of fun. Thank you guys for having me. I uh, I really appreciate it. And I'd more than love to come back on another time if you guys. Absolutely. Hell yeah. So thank you very much. Dude, you're our kind of We like our, our rotating cast. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to be on these again soon, guys. Well, Justin, you have any, any, other, any other closing remarks? I don't. Um, other than that, CenturyLink is the Antichrist. My internet keeps going in and out. Um, Pudget so Sound Pythons. Oh, yeah. Pudget Sound Pythons. Yeah. Thanks for sponsoring my favorite podcast. Hey. Hey, there it is. And for those of you who are curious, uh, Lyasis Foscus poo smells like poo. Like poo? Shocker. Like poo. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing special. Just good stuff. Just gross. Just. All right. uh, my internet's going to go out again, so we'll, we'll end it before it does. Thanks for listening, guys. Good night. See you all later. Bye.